0: monumental sports and entertainment along with press Box, presents stan the fans bat around for the next two hours listen in as stan and craig heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors feel free to tweet your questions to stan at stan the fan now sit back and enjoy the bat around guys take it away
1: All right, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist here on this Saturday, the 26th of August, 2017. And we are all about baseball on the batter round for the next two hours. And it looks, Craig, at least at the outset of this show, that the only way for folks to enjoy the show is via the website at pressboxonline.com slash radio. We'll try and figure out why we're having trouble with our Facebook connections I guess maybe, uh, what's the guy who owns Facebook? What's his name? Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I guess, see what happens when you actually give him a gift. Yeah, I know. He he doesn't bother. Yeah, I mean, really, that's just the way it is. All right. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, maybe we haven't paid his bill or something. Uh, None of us are able to get on Facebook. Like he needs
2: us to pay his bill. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) We've got a really interesting group of guests today. Uh, We'll start with Mel Antonin of Masson at about 10.15. Going to talk to him a little bit about the Dodgers' historic run. We're going to talk to him about bean brawls and uh, the outcome um, of that uh, brawl between the Dodgers and the – excuse me, between the Yankees and the Tigers on Thursday afternoon in Detroit. We'll talk to him about that. The suspensions were handed down, and I think some people were rather mystified, Craig, as to uh, Sanchez's only four-game suspension – in light of his actions during the brawl, and uh, Dylan Betances hitting James McCann with a 98 mile an hour fastball in the helmet, uh, and yet he got no suspension.
2: Yeah, and um, the whole thing to me, and you knew all the suspensions were coming, you knew the fines were coming, but here's the bottom line to it: on the first guy that gets hit, because there's been there was history from back in April when the Tigers were in New York. Uh, That's what
1: I'm unfamiliar with. I hadn't read about that. Mikey
2: Matu got hit twice, and then I, by whom? Uh, Do you remember? Good question. I can't remember. But anyway, and and there were warnings then, but the first person that got hit in this Tigers Yankees game the other day, Sanchez. Soon as he's hit, there should have been a warning to both sides. Right. And if that would have happened, none of this would have calmed down the way it went down. And again, this is Major League Baseball with its umpires. And Joe Girardi and I'm look. I'm no fan of the Yankees. We all know that. But Joe Girardi was you like Duke, right? Huh? You like Duke? I like no. Oh yeah, right. I like Duke.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. Um, We're getting a technical. Apparently, Facebook is down. Facebook is down. Oh. that's interesting.
0: Because I'm seeing a lot of tweets about facebook being down so (laughs) they
1: they must know the bat around is on (laughs) (laughs) that's that's pretty historic isn't it that facebook is down well
0: it's interesting because i'm on the wi-fi on my computer i can't get on facebook but when i'm on my phone through data i can get on facebook
2: yeah and that's what i was just going to try to do here okay but anyway uh and and again joe girardi was absolutely correct where he just says you know hey, attention, know what the hell is going on in the game. And a lot of times these umpires don't. He says it, now, it, so it's Ful- just
1: common sense. Who was who was the first pitcher thrown out in the game? Fulmer was not thrown out? Not at first, For, no. for hitting Sanchez. Right, no. It wasn't until... No, and,
2: and again, that's what I'm saying. If there's a warning given after that, right. n- none of this even comes down the right.
1: pike. Well, Jim Bowden on MLB uh, XM Radio yesterday on the front office with um, Jim Duquette and Mike Farron... He disagrees vehemently with your opinion and it was Duquette's and Farron's opinion. He says, I don't I don't get that. He said if you if you throw people, if you throw the first person out, that's really what's gonna be the deterrent.
2: Well well no, he's wrong on that because if you if you warn both sides, then it's up to the umpire in terms of discretion. As to whether you're throwing at the guy. If you're throwing at the guy, you're gone. Right. Now that that again is going to be a deterrent. But I mean, the warning makes it so that both sides, if you throw at somebody, you're out. Right. So I mean, I, I
1: disagree yeah. with Jim on that. All right. Well, it, it sounds like the the thing really escalated. But but again, the suspension. Uh, let's we'll take it take it as a given that Sanchez was the first person hurt. That does not. Two wrongs don't make a right. Let's for a second suppose he was thrown at. Although Michael Fulmer, they called the team doctor out after he hit Sanchez and he said he had like a, the equivalent to an elbow stinger Mm -hmm. where, you know, when he released that ball, he couldn't control it. Sounded like a lot of hokum to me, but... Did you see the replays of Sanchez, how he acted during oh, the fight? Oh, absolutely,
2: with the sucker punch.
1: when Twice, uh, yeah. twice.
2: absolutely. So what do you think? Well, I think he should have gotten at least seven games like Miguel Cabrera got.
1: Right, right. There's it no sounded question. like, from what I heard from Casey Stern, who, I got to tell you something, I love Casey Stern, but he's, he, in my opinion, he's begun to lose some of his credibility because everything is over the top mm-hmm. with Casey. I mean, it sounded like he felt... That he should get 12 to 15 games because he's never seen anything quite like that. Having said that, the seven games for Cabrera and
2: certainly for uh, for Sanchez on that, uh, you know, I think should have been higher. Yeah, right, without question.
1: Apparently, it's Cabrera that really escalated the fight when. Well, he looked at he looked at the the catcher, Romine Romine. he was trying to talk to the umpire, and he was trying to almost like, "Hey, boy." Don't talk to the umpire. I'm talking to you. And he put his hands on Romine, and that's what set the thing in motion.
2: Well, I think the other thing that set it in motion was after the fir- after the guy got hit. When when uh, uh, the first person got hit, Romine when the when the pitcher gets tossed, Romine goes There's around. So pitcher Canley, Tommy yeah, Canley, yeah. yeah, he goes around Cabrera. To say what are you doing, and that's when Girardi came out, and Girardi right. got tossed, and Girardi's argument <laughs> was the same: if you had a warning right off the bat, right. none of this would have happened.
1: All right, um, I, I want to
0: ask—I I might have missed it—but why did Brad Ausmus get suspended?
2: Uh, well, when you have—if if, you by that time warnings had been given, right—and if your pitcher still threw if, it, if somebody. your pitcher threw it somebody, then the manager also goes.
0: So it's an ejection and a suspension.
1: Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know the suspension part. Okay. Yeah, because Girardi did not get a suspension. Right. All right. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk to Mel a little bit about that as well. Uh, Mel Anton joins us at about 1040, 1037, 1038, somewhere in there. Matt Slatis, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, will join us to talk about some of the performances of some players that are pretty special, Craig. Uh, ben Brazil. 452, Mason McCoy 391, Trevor Kreport, um 390. Those are on-base percentages. And then how about this? Three starting pitchers for the Ironbirds. Zach Lothar, nine starts at 1.14 ERA, 0.86 whip. Michael Bowman, seven starts, 1.38 ERA, 110 whip. And Cameron Bishop, six starts, 1.05 ERA, 1.21 whip. We'll talk to him about that, as well as six more home games left on the Iron Bird schedule, and those games are at home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, uh, and then the following week on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday uh, against Staten Island. They will play three games, uh, and that will round out the Iron Birds schedule, just six remaining home games. Okay, yeah, so short A,
2: and uh, it's coming down to – And we were talking to him earlier – when we had him on the show about We've had gest- him on
1: about four times right, from the time how- he was prepping for the season and then you snap the and finger he, and, and the season's over. over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of like sex. Well, for you maybe, but anyway,
2: Orioles uh, last night wind wind up just hitting everything around Fenway Park, and uh, did the Orioles win last night? Uh, yeah, big time, sixteen to three. And, uh,
1: I was watching.
2: You, you know, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with Mister Porcello, but. Uh, Certainly not the kind of year that uh, no, we but were he, used to but, seeing out of him. but out
1: of 11 runs allowed, I think seven only of four, were, yeah. seven of them were seven unearned. unearned right. I mean, they made five errors. So our next guest after Matt Slatis is Mike Shallon. I do not know if he was the official scorer last night, but he, he maybe he got combat pay last night. Eight errors all told in the game. That was a pretty wild one. And then our last guest of the uh, morning will be the uh, broadcaster for the Washington Nationals radio broadcaster, along with Charlie Slows, Dave Jagler, who you think is one of the best in the business.
2: I absolutely do. And uh, anybody that, uh, I mean, we've been very fortunate in this town uh, to have, obviously, the great Chuck Thompson, uh, who did, I think, football just as equally well as he did baseball. But uh, Dave is a, a pure baseball guy. He knows the game inside and out and uh, he is, if you want a nuts-and-bolts uh, play-by-play broadcaster uh, with a good touch of
1: humor, dry sense of humor, Dave is your guy. All right. That's the show today. Yeah. You don't need to listen. You just heard the show. <laughs> hey, before we um, we get to our first guest, which will be uh, Mel Antonin of Masson, uh, just a, a brief remembrance. I know you didn't know him well, but you'd you been in contact You've rubbed elbows with uh, Philo Ramirez, Rafael Ramirez, the 94-year-old Cuban-born Latin broadcaster who's done Marlins games. He's broadcast back before Castro, after Castro in Cuba. Uh, He passes away at 94 years of age after a fall he suffered back in April. Right, when he was in Philadelphia
2: and uh, getting off the team bus and he had been hospitalized for quite some time. Uh you know, he said at his Hall of Fame induction speech that he, you know, wants to live for a day where he can broadcast f- baseball uh, in a free, free Cuba, Cuba. Right. right. And uh, while that didn't necessarily come to, to pass, uh, this guy was beloved by everybody. He's called more games than Vin Scully, if yep. you can imagine that. Uh, so just that's hard to believe that's that's really hard to believe and you're thankful for almost everything that Vince Scully did right uh, for the game of baseball but uh, he you know for from the for the Latin community uh, this is huge loss
1: driving in I uh, was listening to Ed Randall uh, what' what's he called uh, what's his show called Rico, remember whatever. When. remember when and they were talking about him and he read from the New York Times a bit about Philo Hernandez saying that some of his key things that he would say is if you have if you have high blood pressure or heart condition, <laughs> get away from the broadcast right now. Get he away from warn- your radio, right? You would warn people about that. So anyway, we um, we remember Philo Hernandez, Latin broadcaster, passes at the age of 94. Joining us right now is a man is a man much younger than that, and that is Mel Antonin of Masson. Mel, uh, before we take on some Orioles and Nats and Dodgers and Brawl topics... Did you ever get to meet uh, Philo Hernandez Ramirez?
3: Yes, I met him a couple of times. He was he was the type of guy that knew everybody, knew everybody's name. He had an incredible curiosity. He was uh, he was just nice to everybody. I met him a few times. All I right. didn't know him, but I met him, and you know he was he, he just made everybody feel like they were very special, and that's 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 who he was, and that's what made him fun. It's
1: very similar to Craig Heist in some ways, oh, right yeah, now. <laughs>
3: Craig who? No. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Craig, I'm kidding. Uh,
1: anyway. I'm not. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we talked for a moment about Philo's passing, and uh, it's pretty amazing when you th- know that he broadcasts games longer and more games than Vince Scully.
3: Yeah, he, and he, he was he was, such a, he was such a hero because of that. But, again, what made him special is that he was never bigger than the game. He was never bigger than the broadcast. He was good at what he did. He knew he knew his place, and he always remained humble, and he was always a reporter. He always thought about the listeners first, and I think a lot of ways that's the lesson you can learn from this guy and from Ben Scully is that when you put the readers or the, the listeners first, Instead of your own ego, that's really the most important thing.
1: You know, just along those lines, I want to inform our listeners who might be getting frustrated that they're trying to watch us on Facebook Live. Facebook appears to be down right now uh, on conventional methods. Of I'm back in. up on it now. You are yes. back up on it. Okay. All right. Uh, joining us, as we mentioned, is Mel Antonin of Masson. Mel, let's move on. Um, Let's let's before we talk about some national baseball topics. Let's let's stick with the Orioles for just a minute. Uh, they played their probably their best game in a, about a month uh, that I can recall. Sixteen to three drubbing of the Boston Red Sox last night. Eight total errors in the game. Five by the Red Sox. Three by the Orioles. Um, were they just saving all this up for the Red Sox? <laughs> uh,
3: I think I'm not sure about that, but. I think this is symptomatic of the Orioles. They score a lot of runs one game. And then the next couple of games, they might score two, they might score one and get beat by a journeyman pitcher at best. Right now, they are just a 500 team at best. They had all the symptoms of a 500 team, which means that sometimes they play like they play Friday night, but then they also play like they, they can barely beat one of the worst teams in baseball. What I'm referring to is the Oakland athletics at home. So, Is this the start of something? This is something we've been asking since Mm -hmm. June 1st. But the good news for the Orioles, all, is that even though they're inconsistent, all they have to do is put together two or three good weeks, and they can be in the wild card race. That's not that much to ask for a team with this much talent. It's just that they can't do it.
2: Well, I think the other thing is, is a lot of it's going to depend if he, if they can get on that kind of a streak. It's just what their starting pitching does. And if they can get five innings, maybe six out of a starter on a consistent basis and turn it over the bullpen, the offense is certainly, I think, good enough to, to score some runs to win most games. Uh, but again, Buck has had that trouble of not being able to get guys uh, consistently to get you to that point in the game.
3: Yeah, Craig, that's that's right. And everybody, it's not a secret what you just said. Everybody knows that. The, the starting pitch, you'd rather have a strong starting staff that has one of the best ERAs in the league as opposed to one of the best offenses in the league and a starting staff that is down at the bottom like the Orioles are. So it makes all the difference in the world if, if you can pitch. And um, that's, that's what has to happen. But Now we're getting to the point, guys, where the schedule is, is starting to play. You know, the Orioles are only three games out. That doesn't sound like much. But when you consider that every team above them is going to win every other night, when the Twins play Kansas City six times, one of those teams is always going to win. Texas and L.A., one of those teams are always going to win. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Three games is a lot considering how many teams they have to pass.
1: It's It's a real scrum right there from Minnesota down. I've now eliminated Toronto they they they've gone like one and four this week. Yeah, and something. all of a sudden
2: they were within four games. Of, they were like yeah. a
1: half a game behind us a week ago, yeah. and now they're about four <laughs> games behind us. Uh, but you you go from and and I'm almost eliminating Tampa, but they're just good enough and close enough. Even though they've uh, they've played a little more baseball than everybody else, they're at 130 games already. Um, uh, but, but you go from the Yankees down to Tampa, It's eight teams bunched within five and a half games.
3: Yeah, it's all flawed, all flawed. You mentioned Tampa Bay. Remember that they were one of the best offensive teams, best run producing teams in the American League in the first half. They thought if they fixed their pitching, they were going to have a good chance to be in contention, but their offense has just fallen off the face of the earth and it's, uh, it's it's a bizarre how a team can score so many runs in the first half and then just fall apart in the second. Injuries are part of it, but they added guys like Lucas Duda. It just it is amazing how the Rays' offense is just just falling off, and that that's what's costing the Rays.
2: Let me ask you this, Mel. Yeah, I mean the other day we had the big brawl out in uh, Detroit with the Yankees and the Red Sox. The suspensions and fines uh, were handed down yesterday. Uh, and in my mind, uh, Miguel Cabrera with seven games—that uh, seemed to be pretty fair to me. Uh, Sanchez, on the other on the other hand, I don't think probably got as much as he should have.
3: Yeah, Craig, I agree with you on that because Sanchez was sucker punching guys. Absolutely. Out, and I can't believe that the Yankees were happy about that kind of image with one of their players, one of their building blocks for the future. So I agree, and I think most speculation before the before the punishment was handed down, was Sanchez should get at least seven games, maybe even ten games for what he did. But he didn't, and I think it's a little bit of a surprise, and I agree with you 100%. Yeah,
2: and you know, Joe Girardi, uh, I-, I thought brought up probably the best analogy in-, in the post-game comments when he said, talking about the umpiring crew, uh, that, you know, had had something happened right after a warning, would have happened right after the first person got hit. The rest of it would have never happened. And, you know, he said something afterwards that I just think that, you know, Joe Torre and the people up in Major League Baseball should pay attention to. And he says, I mean, what are you doing? Pay attention to the game. Pay attention to what's going on on the field. And somehow I think the umpires, again, missed another golden opportunity to do just that. I agree. I think they
3: made a mistake in how they handled it. And usually – you know, there's a lot of criticism of umpires obviously, but usually in these situations they tend the umpiring crews tend to over police, but in this case they under-police, And it's one thing when you have a young umpire like uh was behind the plate in Detroit the other day, that's one thing. But David the is a very experienced umpire. He just plain blew it. The the fallacy is or the fallacy is that Major League Baseball doesn't do anything about this, but that's not true. Uh, umpire supervisors will go over this frame by frame and look at what the umpires did they will be judged they will be reprimanded within uh you know with within the within within the contract and the head of the umpires association will meet with them and say this is what you did wrong and this is what you need to fix they won't publicize it because that's always bad for the umpire security but umpires are are held accountable they're held accountable big time. It's just that Major League Baseball doesn't talk about it simply because they're trying to protect the umpires. Nothing worse than Major League Baseball coming out and say the umpires blew this, the umpires blew that, because that just enrages fans, and, and umpires already are under enough pressure to stay safe in very difficult situations where everybody's on them.
1: I have to admit something at the outset here. I still not have seen, I have not seen the video of all this, but the outrage by the folks over on XM Radio yesterday, uh, Mel. I assume you've seen the video. Do you think Gary Sanchez got the, his just desserts there? Uh, I know yeah. he was. I know he was the first guy hit three innings before. But when these brawls break out and he goes around to- totally sucker punching people, it seems like he should have gotten like ten or twelve games.
3: Oh yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that's. I agree. I've never seen a fight like that. You know, what reminded me of that fight at the end of the movie, Blazing Saddles, where the fight just right. keeps going and going and <laughs> yeah, going. That's, that's right. the thing I thought, thought of. But it was more serious, obviously, than Blazing Saddles. It was getting scary there for a while because guys just kept punch, piling on. And for Sanchez to sucker punch a guy on the ground and really being held on by the ground, I think that's a, a, I think that's a very outrageous offense.
1: Yep. Uh, all right.
3: Well, you know what?
2: And the other part about it is what you saw talked about: Major League Baseball not throwing umpires under the bus. I think it's pretty common knowledge that two of the worst uh, baseball umpires who are involved in more controversy, if you will, Joe West
1: Angel Hernandez. No,
2: is Angel Hernandez it's, right. and and uh, uh, also C.B. Buckner. Right. And and yeah. uh, you know and and for you, you have Ian Kinsler come out. And get fined ten thousand dollars for basically telling the
3: truth <laughs> to me, what's the fairness in all of that? Well, the fairness is that if you if you say that Angel Hernandez made a huge mistake in a particular game, when you hear all the media reports and the anger lashed out at him, umpires have to have security, and umpires have to be careful, and you never know when there's somebody in the stands that will do something to an umpire i mean the, the the fan base is angry major league baseball senses it it's a security issue and you can't do that if you, you just can't you just can't publicize umpires mistakes because there's too many crazy fans out there and major league baseball is worried about the, the security of their umpires
2: and that's why we're going that's why we're going to get the rules changed a little bit next year in terms of fan, di- uh, you know, fan behavior, if you will, right, right. In- yeah, I the mean
3: I, I think it's legitimate to understand. I mean, we are in a very critical time where umpires can't do anything right and everybody complains about them. Major League Baseball Scotty report on Angel Hernandez is that he brings it up on his own. But when you talk about how he handles, uh, how he handles the plate, how he handles the fundamentals of you know, being where he's supposed to be at the right time, Major League Baseball believes that he's fundamentally sound that they believe though that he's got to learn to 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 cap down his emotions. They're working with him on that, but they can't say that per se because that just inflames fans. I mean, we're in a very we're in a very strange stage where everybody's on umpires to the point where the anger's a little bit out of control.
1: Well, it's it's born out of this whole social media age we live in where anybody can say anything. There's no there's no real filter on what people say anymore. The only filter is is sort of, you know, a self-awareness that if I say something on social media, people are going to know who I am, and maybe people back off a little bit, but there's this almost semi-anonymous nature to people's posting that they don't think there's any cause and effect to their just throwing out whatever they want to say.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's really, it's really, really tough. And umpires haven't really gotten any worse over the last 40 or 50 years. It's just that the fan base and the media and social media and Twitter and all that have gotten a lot more angry and a lot more critical. Uh, Umpires have always made mistakes in baseball, but now with technology and everything, we're just harder on them. But umpires work hard. They make mistakes, there's no question. They do some bonehead things, but, you know, who doesn't? Well, you know, I
2: was going to ask Mel, in your experiences since the advent of the social media has it become easier or harder to do your job
3: oh it's it's harder to do the job because there's so many more rumors that you have to face i think there's a lot less in the journalism world there's a lot less uh a lot less ethical bounds i mean people can just say whatever they want people can just steal from everybody whenever they want just say things and i think the average baseball fan that reads reads everything on the internet, I think they're confused between a blogger who is angry and a, and a legitimate reporter, radio, TV, or whatever that's covering the game. And I think that makes it really hard for legitimate reporters, legitimate beat writers who are at the ballpark every day trying to do a credible job. It makes it really difficult.
1: Mel Anton is our guest from and Mel, let's uh, move on to a couple national topics. The Dodgers, who were in a uh, like a pitched three-way battle with Colorado and Arizona through about early June, they have obliterated the competition. Are they that much better than everybody in baseball right now? It sure looks that way. And this has been done even without Clayton Kershaw around for the last five weeks.
3: Yeah. It's hard to believe how good they are. I, for a long time, I didn't believe it. I thought they had a pitching shortage in the rotation certainly before the trade deadline, before they acquired a couple of left-handers for the bullpen, their bullpen was weak, but they are a team that's built not only for the regular season as we're seeing now, but they've got a very strong pitching staff that can really be strong in the postseason. So yeah, they're definitely the best team. Their offense is, uh, is strong. Uh, they added Curtis Granderson. They are for real, but whether or not they'll be playing their best baseball come October, we'll see. You can ask the same thing about the nationals, but it, it was amazing how the general consensus on the Dodgers in mid June was, well, they don't have enough pitching with guys like Alex Wood and Kent Maeda. Remember Maeda last year was basically going into the playoffs a four or five inning pitcher. Right, right. Will he be? Will he be that way again come October, or is he that much stronger? I don't know. But when you have Kershaw and Darvish at the top of the rotation, and then the bullpen that they have, you know, they're for real. It's a matter of whether they'll be playing their best baseball in October or not. But boy, it's. I, I the young re- players they have are exciting.
1: I read a phrase on the acquisition of Curtis Granderson, which I found, found I've used it a couple times myself since. It said it, at the end of the day they figured they would rather have him and not need him than need him and not have him. And ironically, the day they acquired him, Clay Bellinger took a misstep and went on the DL, and Granderson's fit right in there for a little bit. Yeah.
3: Granderson's got world series experience. He's tough in the postseason. He can bring a relaxing, calming, uh, influence to the club. Although they probably don't need that. They're about as focused as they can yep. be under their new manager, but it just shows, you know, like when Dave Dombrowski gets Roger Roger Davis for a couple of weeks, just to replace Jackie Bradley jr. in the Red Sox outfield, same thing with Curtis Granderson, and the Dodgers, these are two teams. They're not leaving stones unturned. They're doing everything they can to, uh, to win, even if it's for a couple of weeks to pick up a new player. Uh,
1: The latest on Kershaw that you're hearing, and then I'll throw you the name David Price, what are you hearing there? It sounds uh, both of them are going in opposite directions, it looks like. Yeah,
3: Kershaw's getting closer. He'll be back mid-September, it sounds like. They're going to take their time with him. Remember, he missed about 75 games last year with a herniated disc and was really strong in the postseason. Uh, The Nationals found that out, but Kershaw should be back and be fine. David Price, Red Sox are really concerned about him. It doesn't look like he's going to be back until the third or fourth week of September, and then they're going to have to make a, uh, uh they're going to have to make a decision. Is David Price going to be part of the rotation or can can they get by with what they have? And that uh, that's going to be a big decision with the Red Sox. Chris Sale has not had a very good August. He seems like he's piling up a lot of innings and strikeouts. He's going through a dead arm period. Drew Pomerantz has pitched well, but do you really believe in him in the postseason? Rick Percello, uh, has pitched better in the second half, but uh, you know, he slumped in the first half and he got clobbered last night, so he could be a question. And then you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who, you know, is a good pitcher, but no uh, no track record per se. So you can make a case that the Red Sox rotation isn't as strong as they thought it would be at the beginning of the season.
1: Do you see any way that at the last second, Dave Dombrowski, of course, very familiar with one, Justin Verlander, could you see some type of last-second shocker that sent Verlander to the Red Sox?
3: (laughs) No, I could see that. Yeah, Uh, I think it could happen, but I think... As many questions are there as there are in the rotation, they do have questions in their bullpen as well, particularly the setup crew. I mean, Craig Kimbrell is an all-world closer, and he's doing fine. But do you trust Matt Barnes, who happens to be on the disabled list? Can Carson Smith come back? He's been on the disabled list all year. Joe Kelly's really their most prominent reliever. And After that, their bridge to uh, from starter to reliever is very, very thin. So they might be looking for a reliever. It might be more realistic to think, that they're going to get some relief pitching uh, to help them before August 31st as opposed to a starter. But the Verlander speculation wouldn't be that far out of bounds because the Red Sox have the money to pay for it.
1: Yeah, and and Dombrowski likes to do big things. Uh, one other question it just dawned on me. When David Price first burst on the playoff scene, wasn't he used as a relief pitcher? He
3: wasn't. Too, well, he was kind of a starter reliever but right. in the 2008 World Series. He was a very effective reliever he was a young kid that didn't have a lot of starting experience. Is there any yeah. chance?
1: Is there any chance at all that, given his health, that they might, and and his postseason history, that maybe they say, you know what, maybe rather than putting all that pressure on him to start games, maybe we could use him a little more effectively in a sort of a chess piece uh, matchup situation.
3: Yeah, I, I think then they would only have to stretch him out two or three innings. Yep instead of trying to stretch him out six or seven. So that could be a possibility. I think that's a good idea. Uh, and given that he doesn't really have any minor league games to, to rehab, re, do some rehabbing in, uh, that would be that would be a good idea, and they, and they might well do that.
1: All right. Mel, we always appreciate it. Uh, one last injury question. What are you hearing down the road from Baltimore and Washington? Looks like about another two-and-a-half, three weeks for Bryce Harper?
3: Yeah, it doesn't look like Craig probably heard more about it last night. I wasn't, I didn't happen to be at the game last night. But, yeah, he's not walking yet like he needs to be walking. So it might be a while yet. But, really, if he gets back on September 16th, that's enough time for him to get ready, even the 20th or the 25th. And I think Bryce Harper is the type of guy that can be ready to go for the playoffs.
2: And, and I think that's what they're kind of shooting at. I talked to one person last night, Mel, who told me that uh, – Certainly, mid-September is is the target date, and they feel pretty confident that he can be back by then.
3: Yeah, and again, I think if anybody can get ready in two weeks for the postseason, it's Bryce Harper. So, uh, no games again. Minor league, minor league to minor leagues will be over. So, yeah, it's no rehab games. For, right. No rehab games, but that'll make it a little tougher. But that's that's really their only choice, don't you think, Craig? Given that uh, they don't want to rush him, just. For the sake of rehabilitation, well, I, and memories? I
2: think, yeah, and I think because of the lead that they have, and, and they're not really in danger of losing a postseason spot, I think they'll take their time on all of their players. Now, Jason Worth and Trey Turner have been rehabbing all this week in Syracuse. Now they're at Potomac, and I'm hearing that's going to be probably about another five to, to seven days for both for of them. both of them, and then uh, you know maybe they'll be back by then. Uh, but then again, Dusty's got some very, very interesting, and I know the the rosters expand on the 1st of September, but Dusty's got some very interesting decisions to make on how he's going to construct this postseason roster going forward from the standpoint of all of the people who have filled in for the injured players have done remarkably well.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thought that the Nationals would be among the league leaders in all kinds of key offensive categories with Worth, Turner, Harper all these guys. Adam Adam Eaton, free center field Adam Eaton, free center fielders down, Taylor Eaton and Brian Goodwin. Who would have thought Brian Goodwin would do what he did? I mean, I have never seen anything like this as far as depth and production with from the depth. It's it's really an incredible story.
2: And Goodwin's still on the D L and we're probably looking at about another week for him, but when, when you stop to think about, if you'd have told me what Wilmer Defoe has done for right. that club, filling in for Turner at shortstop, I'd have said you were nuts. But here he is hitting two seventy five and, and, playing, a and playing a solid shortstop.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. And we were talking about the beginning of the season. Is it better to have Eaton? Or Turner, Turner Eaton at the top of the order. Eaton, Turner, Turner Eaton, whatever. Right, Who's you haven't stopping?
1: had either one of them. For...
3: Haven't had either one of them, but they've <laughs> just carried on like, like it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's well, really it's, an amazing story.
1: It's almost like Zucker, Mark, uh, who, who covers the Nats for Masson? Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerman. Oh, Zuckerman. Zuckerman. Yeah. Zucker, it's like Zuckerman and Brock Yeah, know? <laughs> It's kind of like that with Turner and... Uh, and, uh, well, they're perfect. both interchangeable, uh, you know. Hey, thank Mel, thank you as always. We'll see you at the ballpark this week in Baltimore.
3: Thank you, guys. You do a fantastic job. You give up the good work. All right. Thank
1: you, Mel. Uh, there you go. We there got you a, go. Now we got to pay Mel something. Now, we, now saying you got to pay them. Mel yeah. something, you see. All right. Maybe you I can told you. I told you. How many times have I
2: told you there's about no,
1: There's no free lunch.
2: Well, no. How many times have I told you about people that come on this show and hand out a bunch of compliments? Right, right. <laughs>
1: Ends up costing us. <laughs> it really does. Look, look, Bonza ended up the big winner today as far as I'm concerned. He Why gets, is that? The, well, he gets got the Bryce his, Harper. What are, you,
0: what are you talking about? He got gets the Bryce, Bryce
1: Harper right, action figure. Right. Is it got the bandages on the knee? No, but the, you can see the deep bone bruise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my God. All right,
1: we're going to take a time timeout. Uh, listen to us at pressboxonline.com slash radio. The Facebook world is a crazy. It's, they're back up. But our broadcast feed is not back up on Facebook Live. We'll be right back with Matt Slatis, General Manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, right after this. Many
4: people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770.
5: Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle friends and family package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now.
6: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we take a significant look into the Ravens' upcoming first-ever trip to London. What does it take for an NFL team to make such a trip? How are Ravens fans getting themselves across the pond for the game? What are fans doing in Baltimore if they can't make the trip? And which Ravens player will the trip mean the most to? PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles' Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The
4: B 17 airplane was a legend of World War II. And a B 17 is coming to Martin State Airport on Saturday, September 2nd, and Sunday, September 3rd, for you to see up close and for a tax deductible donation to the Liberty Foundation. You can even take a 30 minute ride on. Experience the sights and sounds that our Second World War heroes experienced aboard the Flying Fortress on the weekend of September 2nd and 3rd at Martin State Airport, 701 Wilson Point Road in Middle River. Ground tours are available. or visit libertyfoundation.org and find out how you can take a ride on the mythical B-17. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males
7: and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon
2: completion. For more information, please visit our website or call one 877 Six one seven eight eight three nine. Call now.
4: Kyle, here's the thing: since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com/slash/pressboxsports, video-wise. I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh,
5: I hear you. I mean, I they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps.
4: Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps.
5: I have the chaps that I have.
4: Well,
5: okay. And I have the
4: toes that I have. This is what we do every day from ten to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved.
5: How does that work?
4: Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com/slash PressBox Sports.
1: All right, we are back on the battle round, and uh, as far as I can see, we are now finally up on Facebook Live. Join us at facebookcom Sports. and uh, please share, like it, and share it so we can jump up in some figures there. Joining us right now is somebody that has worn a couple hats since I've known him. I met him; he was the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and about ten days ago. For one night he was general manager of the Aberdeen Steam Crabs and now he's back as general manager of the Ironbirds. Which job do you like better Matt Slatus?
8: Well, I appreciate it Stan. General manager of the Steam Crabs was a lot of fun, but uh, the excitement's passed and now it's right back to Ironbirds baseball. All right.
1: Hey, the Ironbirds are uh, round in third and heading for home in, in so far as their season goes, I know it's been I know it's been a successful season uh, artistically for you guys. Uh, how's it How's it gone in terms of the play on the field? Are you intrigued by a number of the players?
8: We really are. You know, the Ironbirds have unfortunately played only one playoff game in the last fifteen years. So to be in a position now, I think we're two and a half games out of a playoff spot with about uh, ten or eleven games left to play. The team's been exciting. Um, you know, obviously we've got. Ryan Ripken on the club. Ryan's played really well. His batting average is hovering right around three hundred. Um, great kid named T.J. Nickting. Our catcher Ben Brazil. It's been a fun team. Uh, great team to watch so far this year.
2: What about Brazil and what he brings to the table? I mean, the numbers just are eye popping. If you do, you know, just look, if you're a baseball fan and you're looking through, I mean, any, minor, level, any level, any level of yeah. play,
1: four fifty-two right. on base percentage just seems pretty special.
8: Yeah, he's a, he's a special kid. You know, last month he was actually recognized as not only the Baltimore Orioles minor league player of the month, but also minor league baseball's New York Penn League player of the month. Wow! So Ben's Ben's had an incredibly strong start in his rookie year. Um, I think he brings a little bit of flexibility to the game. You know, he's primarily played as a catcher in Aberdeen, but we've seen him DH. I've seen him take some ground balls at shortstop. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he. Ends up as he moves up the uh, moves up throughout the Oriole system.
1: There are a couple other players I noticed, uh, and I noticed Ryan Ripken's numbers are, are uh, interesting and intriguing, and warrant his going on with baseball. But there's a couple other players I noticed: Mason McCoy and Trevor. I guess you pronounce it Cropord. Uh, three ninety one and three ninety one base percentages. That's nothing to sneeze at either. Yeah, but how
2: do you really pronounce how that? How do you name?
1: pronounce Trevor's last name?
8: So Trevor is actually Trevor Crayport, Crayport. Uh, a great kid out of Georgia Tech. So this team had, uh, Stan, this year this Ironbirds club actually had seven all-stars with uh, McCoy being one of them. Um, so the club's been fantastic on the field.
1: That's super. And one of the areas the Orioles are really uh, you know, in need of is, is to stock up some pitching prospects. We know one of your best was used in the trade for uh, Tim Beckham but I saw three other names, Zach Lothar. These are all starting pitchers, Zach Lothar, Michael Bauman, Cameron Bishop, all with scintillating, eye-popping ERAs of just above one and whips from 0.86 to 1.21. Are these three guys in your estimation, Matt? And I know you're more on the business side of baseball than being a talent evaluator, but these guys seem like they are real genuine prospects.
8: They really do. The club's got some eye-popping stats. You know, I throw Brennan Hannafee's name in there as well. Uh, I've always been a big believer, for what it's worth, that pitching and defense wins ball games. So it's great to see the O's starting to stockpile some of that young talent.
2: Boy, what a what a concept! Pitching and defense, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> how how often have you heard about that? Well, let me ask you this: in, in terms of this team, there's six more home games left to go, uh, three uh, in the upcoming week, and then three more. Uh, next weekend into the, into the final week. Uh, right. And, you know, we, we were talking about this with you just a couple of weeks ago. It just seems like this when, when, you, when you're talking about the short A league, it's just, you get started, and then before you know it, you snap your fingers and the season's over.
8: That's what I feel. You know, it's funny. I feel like we snapped our fingers about eight weeks ago. We played 38 quick home games, and it's over. But still, like you said, six more Ironbirds games for fans to come out to. We've got some great promotions coming up over the next couple weeks, so we're excited, too, to see if the club can then in- ink their way into the playoffs.
1: All three of the games this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, are 7 5 games, and then you go on the road again and then come back on Sunday, the day before Labor Day, and you play the Staten Island team on September the 3rd at five thirty-five. the 4th, Correct. which is Monday, at one oh five, and then Tuesday, you round out the home schedule with a 7.05 start. Can you tell us a couple of the promotions?
8: Yes. So so coming up on Sunday the 3rd, it's actually Daddy-Daughter Day at the ballpark. Um, so dads and their daughters can come in for $15. They get a game ticket, an Ironbirds cap, a soda. And They're actually going to play catch on the field prior to the start of the game. So... Now, the Ironbirds pride themselves on being the most family-friendly ballpark in town, and our fans can actually get on the field and play catch on the third before the game.
2: That's one of the neatest promotions because the Orioles do it on Mother's Day and Father's Day, and I think that's one of the neatest promotions
8: you can have. It's really special. I don't think I've ever heard someone say they didn't enjoy their time on the, the professional field. Yeah. It's,
1: it's just interesting to hear the twist because you always hear father and son. I I've right. never heard the mother... The mother, the daughter and father. Well, thing. the daddy daughter
2: thing. I'm 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 not no offense, but I'm not coming that day. I just want to let you know.
8: <laughs> Stay far away. You're,
1: you're staying far
8: I'm, away from I'm that.
1: nowhere near Aberdeen that day. <laughs> hey,
8: hey Matt, finish um, uh, we finished the year our home schedule, uh, day schedule at least yep. on September fourth, and that's gonna be Ultimate Kids Day. Um, so kids who come to the ballpark can get a, a Burks hot dog, bags of chips and a soda, they'll have an all you can play uh, wristband out in our new kids zone. We'll actually have a pregame on the field, opportunity with the players to take selfies. So we've got a 1,000 bobbleheads going out to kids that day, and it should be a heck of a lot of fun.
1: We're we're talking with Matt Slatis, General Manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And, Matt, it was about a year ago that the, the folks at PressBox and we met you, you had just moved to town a little bit before then, and you were laying out your plans for how you were planning to to kind of reinvigorate this franchise. It takes, I, I can't imagine the discipline needed and the, um, the hard work involved in, in executing your plan, but now it's a year later and you've sort of seen the, the, the work and the results. You've got to be pretty thrilled with uh, how you've executed things.
8: I am. It, it's really been a thrilling year. It's It's been a successful year. You, know, you worked so hard for these 38 game nights, and to see it all come together is great. Um, we learned a lot, and this is really just the start of a brand-new operation in Aberdeen. We're, we're excited about next season, and we're excited upon you know really building off of what we put together this year.
1: Well, we appreciate the relationship with you. Um, I, before we let you go... Uh gentleman passed away, and I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball because I don't know how much you got to know Joe Klein, uh, who has been kind of the vice president or president emeritus of the Independent League. Did you know right. Joe well at all, and if, if so, and, your, your take on him?
8: Yeah, I, I can't say I knew Joe well, but I did know Joe a little bit. My, uh, my first two years working in professional baseball um, my first year, I was a bat boy for the Somerset Patriots up in New Jersey. Um, the second year, I actually ran Mitch Williams' clubhouse uh, for the Atlantic City Surf. And Joe was our executive director of baseball and would come through the clubhouse, and I think I was 19, 20 years old. Just always a great guy who um, you know, would wave a friendly hello, ask you how you were doing. And I've never heard a single person in our game, in our industry, say a bad word. So uh, I'm terribly, uh, terribly sad to hear about Joe Klein's passing.
1: You know, we got an article up by our friend Jim Henneman, our uh, sort of uh, senior baseball writer here. And Jim knew Joe for a long, long time. And he said he was always the champion of the underdog. I think one of the things in his – and I won't say being put out the pasture. That's too harsh a word. But the fact when he left Major League Baseball that he didn't become embittered. He took the the love and passion for the game – and just took it to a different level, albeit a lower level, really it showed the heightened appreciation he had for the game of baseball and the people that are inside the game of baseball.
8: Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that when you look at a guy like that, you know, you talk about Joe Klein being humbled going to the lower level of baseball. Um, and it's amazing to think that he's probably sent close to 400 guys who were completely out of affiliated baseball back to the big leagues. You know, the Dodgers alone have Scott Kazmir um Rich Hill Rich Hill both guys played in the Atlantic League, Joe's League and are now you know stars in a uh, big league rotation.
2: When so we have when we have you back at a point in time
8: this I'm, is Matt's
1: last show. Well, Remember. no,
2: but I'm just saying when we have you back at a point in time, I got to find out what a Mitch Williams clubhouse was all about.
8: <laughs> I uh I learned a lot as a 19-year-old. <laughs> Uh, it was a lot of
1: fun. Yeah, well, anyway, Joe was one of our good people. We knew uh, him through Adam Gladstone. We really got sure. to know him, and uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family and the baseball family uh, that is going to miss Joe Klein and his insights and his uh, passion for the game of baseball. Speaking of those things, passion of the game of baseball, you've got it, and we appreciate the friendship and the support, and we'll continue to uh, work together. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Again, again, those last six home games this Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I apologize, Matt. I did not write down. Who are you playing the, these three games, Monday, Tuesday, he, he, Wednesday? He, he hung up. He, okay. He's gone. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't write it down. They're playing Staten Island the next week on Mo- Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the third, fourth, and fifth. And those games are 535 on Sunday. 105 on Monday and 705 on Tuesday, they will play Staten Island. Matt Slatus good people. Good people.
2: Yes, indeed. And uh, when you stop to think about the minor leagues and what they have to do to draw fans, you know, well, I mean, baseball fans are going to go to baseball games, but to make it entertaining and fan-friendly, not just for the parents but for the kids because – Let's face it, in this day and age, that's the probably the cheapest way to enjoy baseball is to go to a minor league game.
1: Or or you could just be friends with Craig Heist and get all uh, the, the okay. giveaways well, yeah. without buying tickets. Yeah, but that would insinuate that Bonds is a friend of mine, and that's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, I've learned
0: a lot about you in the past 24 hours, Craig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> By the way, um, I, what we didn't talk about was that promotion that took me out to to um, Aberdeen two Fridays ago, which was the um, the uh, changing in the name from the Aberdeen Ironbirds to the Aberdeen Steam Crabs. That was a very cool promotion.
2: Very cool promotion, and I think everybody that goes out there, if you're a baseball fan, if you're not, you get the best of both worlds. You get to go out there and eat. Maryland steamed crabs and you get to watch good baseball.
1: <laughs> Speaking of steamed crabs, when's the last time you were out at our friends that cost us in? Uh,
2: it was probably last weekend.
1: Yeah. yeah? Did you eat crabs? I did. Yeah.
2: How were they? I, I've never had a bad crab there.
1: Yeah. I had uh, some about two weeks ago and they were really... What we did I went with uh, Dick Gordon and his wife, um, uh, Dick and Gloria Gordon went with me and, and Jane and uh, Dick kind of wanted the big monster crabs, uh-huh. and I don't rare. I rarely. I had three of those. I think there are 125. Is it, sometimes are they 125 sometimes. a dozen? Yeah, or were they? Yeah, yeah. So we got six of them. Right. So, and three of them was really good. I had another main and app uh, main entree. I had the meatloaf and some crabs. It was absolutely delicious out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I usually go in there and you
2: get a hundred. I mean, get a half a dozen one tens, and I'm I'm good to go.
1: <laughs> um, the Orioles again will play at four oh five today. It'll be Kevin Gosman against former prospect of the O's, Eduardo Rodriguez. And uh, which Gosman we going to get today, Craig? Well, we'll see. It's
2: got to be better than the last time because his last
1: two have been his terrible. Last two have
2: not been very good at all. Uh, and again, you know, throw the fastball for strikes and set up everything else that is in your arsenal, and you should be okay. Uh, Rodriguez, I mean, he's been good at times. He's not been good at times. You know, did the Orioles let him get away? Yeah, in in trying to win a pennant. And, and win the whole thing in 14? Yeah, they did. Yep. But I think if anybody would ask again, they'd do
1: the, the exact same thing. I would do the exact same thing if I knew. Look, we know the results now that we got to the to the American League Championship Series. But had I known that that's all we were going to get to and we weren't going to m- even make an effort to re-sign Andrew Miller, I don't know that I would have given up Rodriguez. Although hindsight can tell me that he has not been... What was advertised He's yet? He is not established no, yet. There's no. no question
2: about it. And I think you could say the same thing for David Price to a certain extent up there, too. Oh, that's been a disaster. It's up been a there. disaster for them up yeah, there. Absolutely. Terrible. Uh, Ironbirds play Connecticut Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This week, all this, 705 starts. All 705 starts. And then uh, uh, the next month, uh, it'll be Staten Island on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th.
1: All right. That's good. And, and
2: they finish up the season at Hudson
1: Valley. And by the way, again, we just wanted to explain to you, uh, if you had tried to join us on Facebook Live earlier, Facebook was was absolutely,
2: unequivocally down.
1: down. Yeah. We don't know whether it was some type of hacking or what happened. Do, In, do we know yet? Instagram was down, too, at the same time, if that provides some clues. Okay. Sounds like somebody is uh, cyber-attacking us. Sounds like it. Sounds like that. S-
0: specifically, us.
1: Yeah, probably just against press box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Well they, said, well, they sat there and they're in a room and they <laughs> at stand the fan shows on ten to twelve. Let's let's <laughs> let's take get Facebook it done. Down. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but we are up and back on Facebook Live. Well, right we now. are, but sometimes the stream is getting interrupted and. Screen us, interrupt us? Yeah. Okay. Stream us. Stream us, interrupt (laughs) us. All right. But if you come to to Facebook Live now at facebook.com slash Sports, please like us and share us uh, through the remainder of the show. Mike Shallon, columnist for the New Hampshire Union Leader, is going to join us. Mike, a longtime Boston columnist. When we had him on last, we uh, inquired about about that whole rift. With David Price and Dennis Eckersley, which I think David Price's injury has ended up kind of backing the import of that off, but it, it hasn't been lost on me, and I don't think he and, and Eckersley have made peace yet.
2: I don't think they have either, and while it's not a big deal in terms of, you, you know, on the front page anymore, uh, there's no question that one of the reasons David Price was brought to Boston— was to be a performer in the postseason. Yeah. And that hasn't happened. This on top of that with the injury and then the the situation with Dennis Eckersley hasn't helped that situation. So it it is like you say, it's a mess up there. And you know
1: it's a mess, but going into last night's game they were sixteen and five without price, playing the best ball in all of Major League Baseball over those twelve. Well yeah, and they
2: had gone on like a ten and three run over that stretch. Uh but again, that's you know for as fast as you go ten and three in this game stand, you know you can turn around and go three and ten. Yep. And now is, are the Red the Sox Orioles
1: have proven that? Well,
2: the Orioles have proven that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you know, the last time they won a, a World Series, there were two seven game losing streaks in in the mix during that season, uh, and and everybody was talking about and blowing their mind when they had the seven game losing streak early in this year. Uh, it, it can happen, and whether it will happen again to the Red Sox coming
1: down the stretch, who knows? We've got about three or four minutes before we make our connection with Mike Shallon. I don't know. I know you jumped on late last night on my Facebook live feed. Uh, well, that's and- because I had to. I would have been there sooner. No, I, wasn't you know, part- I know, I
2: know, I know. But I would have been there sooner, except uh, U.N.S. Cespedes on a play in which a base hit went up the middle, hit the umpire. So what would have scored two runs for the Mets? Only you mean scored, the baseball
1: hit the yeah, umpire? Yeah,
2: the baseball hit the umpire. So in, in, in a situation where they would have probably scored two runs, they only score one, the Mets have the bases loaded. But on the, the run that does not score... Was Cespedes who comes around third base and basically just limps and hobbles all the way home. So he got and hurt, and he's blown out his hamstring uh, on the other side this time. So
1: uh, Sandy Alderson was saying more than likely this will probably do it for him for this year. Okay, but my point was I don't know if you heard me talking about Manny Machado. Uh, I've come to I've really been thinking a lot about Machado, and at the end of the day. This notion that the Orioles won't have what it takes to re-sign him. I never believe that. Yeah, I, th- I think the money's going to be there. What I'm equating it to, and I wrote this about a year and a half ago for PressBox that should scare the Orioles, is when you look at, um, at uh, what's his name, the basketball player left Oklahoma City, Durant. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant, yeah. That's who I, I think that's, it's an analogous situation. Have the Orioles done enough? to convince Manny Machado that he's going to be able to play for a championship in Baltimore. And, and I'm really honing in on the pitching.
2: Well, to this point, have they convinced Adam Jones? Have they convinced – Now, I
1: mean, granted. I know- Well, they signed Adam Jones. though Adam was a different story. Adam was so taken with the turnaround of the Orioles mm-hmm. to get us back to respectability that he signed on for that. Yeah. And I think he got what he signed on for. I think if you went back and said, Adam, is this exactly what you signed on for? I think the thing where he publicly said he wanted to talk to Peter a year and a half ago, and, and I, he did. And I think and that's did. a good idea, and yeah. I think he should probably do it again. But is, is is Manny interested enough in talking to Dan and Peter about what the team the plans are for the team? In other words, Adam cared enough to do that. He was all in. Is Manny... All in emotionally with thinking, and, and my point is: this is no knock against pe- people. It's a knock against Gallardo, Miley Jimenez. Does he look around and say, "Do I want to go for Miley, Miley Gallardo Jimenez or Sonny Gray?" You know, well, if he if he Severino, looks, if, if he
2: looks around right now, without yeah. the Orioles making a move in in, in free agency, right. and he looks around and sees.
1: If he now. sees
2: Dylan Bundy, if he believes that a Kevin Gosman can turn the corner and finally right the ship, we thought it was right. going to be this year, and it hasn't been. Right, but who but are then, the next three guys? Well, in my be. mind,
1: Miguel Castro has certainly earned that right. He's earned and, that right to, to, to be considered a starting pitcher, but for, for Manny Machado to go, when well, we got Bundy and Gosman and, Ma- and Miguel he, Castro... That's not what I'm talking about. In other words, I think it's in, incumbent upon the team to go out and get an Alex Cobb, yeah. somebody at the top of their
2: game right now. And I don't disagree with that. But I think I think really more what is going to matter to Manny is how much does he really like playing here, one. Number two, does he feel like this team can make a run. And number three, I think his relationship with Jonathan Scope. That's a huge part of this equation I think. is whether or not, you know, Manny sticks around or not. I think I think the two of them are are very good together, uh best friends. I think friends. there's no question there's about no question. it. No and, question and, about and, But I think that has a lot to do with it. But you also saw the back of Manny's jersey this week that says or this weekend that says Mr. Miami on it. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Did let me ask you a question. I think this thing was a really fun promotion. Yeah. But i got to be honest, other than on the – now, you were at the Nationals game, so you were probably on the field and saw some of these things. Mm-hmm. For a TV viewer – It's they, awful. It's awful And because, it's awful for the guy in the press box. If you're not
2: paying uh, total attention to your scorecard, right. you have to think about and, and figure out who it is that just batted to a certain degree. But
1: all I'm talking about, though, is on TV – there's no, they're, they're called graphics for a reason. Right. I thought, I'm like trying to read different players' back of the jerseys, and because of the design of those uniforms, they don't stand out at all. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very poorly think, done I for think, the TV I think viewer. what they
2: need to do is have the, the, the player's name and yep. then also the nickname underneath it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I like that idea. All right, joining us right now is... Sports columnist extraordinaire for the New Hampshire Union Leader, and that is our friend Mike Shallon. And Mike, were you the official scorer last night at Fenway Park? I wasn't,
9: but I am today and tomorrow.
1: Okay. Well, geez, a whiz. Okay. Well, now but I have a reason. Th- I now th- now th- I have th- a reason th- to watch. Now
9: <laughs> <laughs> I could not read the Orioles' names. I um, from the press box. I mean, it was just a simple designer flaw. All I had to do was put the names in black.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Know,
9: and then it would have contrasted with those ridiculous hats they were wearing. Right. And uh, you know, I, I just, uh, and I, you know, it's funny because I, I watched highlights when I got home, and there were a lot of teams in that situation. I, I think Brett Gardner had the right idea with the Yankees. He didn't want any name on his back because that's the only thing he's ever known in the Yankee organization, and they wouldn't let him do it.
1: Wow. So they made him put something on there.
9: They made him put, Gardner, put G- yeah, They put Gardner on his back. I think they put. Did they put Guardy? No, no, he put Gardner. Gardner, put okay. put Gardner. All
1: right. We're talking with Mike Shallon, who doubles as official scorer at Fenway Park. Who does the, the scoring when you, you don't? Last night, eight oh. errors in the game. That must have been like, does he get paid over well, like, time?
9: You know, it's funny, I was sitting in the second row covering the game for Sports Exchange, and I was smiling the whole time because <laughs> uh, Chad Scoggins, who has been doing it since 1978, uh, he got stuck with that game. And uh, Bob Ellis is our third scorer. And, uh, you know, every time you sit down, you you hope for for a clean game. But uh, Charlie's head was spinning enough, and then Boston used an illegal batter in the ninth inning. And, um, it, you know, it was just, it threw everything into a tizzy, including the people at Elias who really didn't know what to do. But uh, when Mitch Morland came in to pitch, he moved over from first base, and Hanley Ramirez went into first base. Well... What's supposed to happen there is that right. Hanley goes into the DH spot and you lose the DH. Correct.
1: And Moreland's now the pitcher batting That's in right. the position that in, he's batting in.
9: In his spot. Okay, well, ninth inning comes and there's Chris Young walking up to the plate and he gets a single. And uh, I, I, I led my post-game story with Buck Showalter was probably in such a good mood that he decided to let it go. Yeah, because you know how Buck is with the rules, and and uh, you saw you could see him talking to the umpires when the game was over, and and John Farrell acknowledged after the game that he that they messed up, and it's his second rules violation within like ten days when he came out at Yankee Stadium and try to try to change pitchers after one pitch after his pitching coach had just been out to the mound, so. You know, they, they these people are human. Yep. They make mistakes. There's a lot on their plate with all this, uh, you know, uh, number stuff, and and I and so that that was another interesting twist. But yeah, eight errors, and you know, it was just very very sloppy on both sides. Um, but listen, the Orioles amazingly are alive in this race for a wild card. There's six teams in front of them, and they're three games out, but. You know, with a team that hits like that, anything really is, is, is possible, and they they showed that last night.
2: Well, it was funny. We had Mel Antonin on a little earlier. Today. Oh, no. You didn't listen to anything Mel said, did you? Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. not. Oh, <laughs> <But laughs> it's funny. He said the same me. thing about you, <laughs> you, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah,
9: we've been, we, you know, Mel, <laughs> Mel Antonin, I think it was, no, it wasn't Mel. It was somebody else who gave me some advice about rental cars, but, no, I've known Mel for <laughs> 30 years. He's one of the best. He's one of the best in the business, and uh
2: so what did he say? Indeed, he is, and you know he did say uh, that it, it was funny if you can get this Oriole team to just get five or six innings out of a starter on a consistent basis. Yep. Turn it over to the bullpen, and with this offense, I think most times or not, they're gonna they're gonna score enough runs to keep you right there and give you a chance.
9: Well, the thing is too, though, that they they are a, a hit and miss team, and you, you know you're gonna have. Days where they're striking out twelve times and and not making the contact. You right. know, I watched Trumbo hit a pitch that was over his head last night for for a, an opposite field home run. Um, I was very impressed by the fact that the pregame lineups came out and they had everybody in the lineup in double figures and home runs. And uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand the Beckham deal when Tur- when Tampa Bay made it. I, I didn't get that at all. He had been playing very well for them, and they, you know, it wasn't even. It wasn't even a sign that they were selling. They just made a stupid move. I I I thought that there might be something more to that.
1: Well, the, and, you know what the something more to that is, is the kid that they got. He's 18 years old, but he, he was pitching at an elite level against uh, significantly older players at Aberdeen. I mean, well, he's a hell of a prospect. How many,
9: pitchers, how many young pitchers does Tampa Bay need? But they know?
1: had I mean, just acquired at you know, about three yeah, weeks yeah. earlier. So I think. Yeah, they... I guess.
9: Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, uh, I, 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 I got, found got, it a curious.
1: I, I, I found it a very curious trade that the Orioles made, but it was interesting. It's sure how. Uh,
9: well, this guy, I I, what's, I, what's I what's talked that? to Stats Inc. last night, and he became the fifth player of all in all, of all time with at least forty-one hits in his first twenty-three games with a new team. So that's pretty impressive. Joe yeah. DiMaggio was the first in nineteen thirty-six when he was a rookie, and. um He's. Uh, I, I've always. You know. He was a very high draft pick, and, and some guys take longer than others, but he sure does look good. Even his one for six last night had a two run single. I
2: had to. I had to applaud right in the middle of that because it's taken Stan three weeks to learn how to say a Danny Etcheverrya. <laughs>
9: That's pretty good, isn't it? I like that. that uh, well, you know, Ralph, Ki- Ralph Kiner is gone. So, and and uh, if you watch uh, Mad Dog Russo, he mangles three. Oh I mean, yes, every he does. Day. And I love, I love yeah. Christopher Russo. Yeah. by the way,
1: it just came to me who told me to say hello to you is actually last night. I hadn't seen him all season long on my Facebook Live thing. About eleven thirty last night, Tom Keegan from ah. out in Lawrence, Kansas, wow. is saying hello. And I said, Hey, we're going to have Shallon on the show tomorrow. And he says, "Please tell Mike I said hello."
9: Keegs, Keegs, one of the best. Yep. Uh, he's out in that. Um, you know, if they can figure out a way to win a basketball game in that town, they'd be okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Keegs, we... Keegs is happy. I know he's happy out
1: there. Yeah, he loves it out there. Yeah. When last we spoke, uh, David Price was in a uh, toe-to-toe uh, grudge match with Dennis Eckersley. Since then. David Price's injury has probably been first and foremost on his mind. Mm-hmm. Has there been any attempt between these two guys to talk this through, or is it just where it was three weeks ago or a month ago?
9: As far as I know, um, it's it's still the way it was. I I haven't seen anything that shows anything different. Heck's been away here and there. He's he's in he's in Oakland this weekend where they're they're Giving the uh, uh, naming a gate at one of the gates at the Coliseum with his number on it, and uh, just in time to tear the place down, I guess. But Price, right. he's out, uh, he's <laughs> out in Oakland. And I, I thought, I thought that the the greatest thing that could have happened here, you know, Price put his dog's name on his shirt, not his son. He put his dog's name, Astro, right. on his shirt. I thought he should have put Sorry Eck on right. the back of his shirt, and that would have that would have taken care of the whole thing because. Eck would have gotten you know quite a laugh out of that. Right. that would have been fine. But no, I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to go any. Price has more important things on his mind. on Whether or not he's going to pitch this year, I, I you know I'm not. I'm done making predictions about that because you remember when he first got hurt in spring training, it was Tommy John, and then he came back and he pitched 11 games, and then he's hurt again, and now he's playing on flat ground and can't play in catch. So you're already into September because he's going to. He's to, the 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 problem is that he's gonna run out of places to do rehab, uh, because of the minor league season's gonna be over. So I uh, you know, I don't know what they expect to uh to get out of him. Their big their bigger problem here now is Chris Sales' apparent inability to pitch against the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, that stands, is,
1: that's
10: gonna
9: be their first round opponent. You know, uh, from the old AL Central days, the Indians have roughed him up pretty good twice this year. I mean, you know, and you know they have a pitching staff. There's not, a, um, there wasn't a single victory, single postseason victory among their pitchers uh, as a starter in the postseason. I believe it was 0 wow. 22, or and tw- It was 0 22, and then they had Kendrick up here, and that, that made it 0 23. But now Fister actually has postseason victories, so he's the only guy on the staff who's won a who's won a postseason game as a starter.
1: So let me ask you a question. We're at August 26th right now today. Mm-hmm. And there had been much speculation three and a half weeks ago that the Astros and the Cubs, even the Dodgers, might get in on Justin Verlander before the 1st of August, you know, the trade deadline. Is there any chance that Dave Dombrowski at the last second pulls off the shocker of all shockers and picks up Justin Verlander?
9: Not if the Red Sox have to pay the salary because – they're being very mindful of that uh, luxury, luxury tax, okay. And with Justin, you're going to add 28 million for each of the next two years. So I, I don't see how that works unless, maybe, if the Tigers pick up half of it. I I don't know how that factors in. Uh, there's a there's a trigger for 2020 if he finishes in the top five in the Cy Young at the same money. But uh, I'd be a little bit surprised, and I, I also think that even without Price, they should have enough pitching. But, you know, again, they're, they're, uh, they're waiting on Carson Smith to come back for the bullpen, but he hasn't pitched in, you know, two seasons, basically. Uh, they lost Thornburg before he ever threw a pitch here. And like the Yankees, I think their bullpen is vastly overrated. But they do have Kimbrell at the back end, and um, he's healthy and, and, and ready to go. But even he's blown four saves with, with ninth-inning home runs. So uh, I would be surprised. If you know, I think Dave's made some good moves. I yeah, really do. I no, think I the Rajay Davis move was terrific. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, Oakland continues to be a farm team for
1: for everybody uh, else.
9: For, for everybody else, they're like the old, uh, Can- well, actually, like the old Kansas City A's. Yeah. you remember back in but, the Yankee days.
1: But they were they were specifically for the Yankees farm right, club. Right. Yeah.
9: Yeah. That was a, that was a direct uh, direct line. But um, you know, I think the Nunez pickup was great. He got hurt last night. I don't know. You know, again you're dealing with the hands, so you have to hope if you're the Red Sox it's not the same as Jackie Bradley. But ironically it was uh the second Manny Machado slide taken right. out of Red Sox second baseman. <laughs> right, so right, right. um but uh no I, I think I think that they I still think they're the best team in the league, because um, they have more I think they have more starting pitching than the Astros and I and and plus they have Kimbrell. But uh you know, if they don't hit you know I looked up at the board last night and Bogarts has, like, 49 RBIs or something, and Hanley's got, like, 5th 49 RBIs. And, you know, again, we go back to what we talked about earlier in the year with how much they miss David Ortiz. Yeah. And
1: well, I personally feel sorry for Xander Bogarts because he doesn't realize what happened to him about six weeks, seven weeks ago. I picked him up on my fantasy Ooh. team. Yeah, that yeah. is that the kiss of death has driven in, I've had him actually two months, and he's driven in a total of about 20 runs. He's really been miserable for two months.
9: Yeah, well, he, he ended, at one point, he ended a streak of of almost a month, I think, without an RBI, or three weeks anyway. And uh, he had a home run last night, but he's just, he's lunging. He's uh, and, and I really think it just comes down to, without Ortiz behind him, I just don't think there's respect. And they don't, they, they realize they can, they can junk him up a little bit because yeah. he's gonna he's gonna lunge.
2: Let me ask let me yeah. ask you this, Mike: is, is what is John Farrell's situation going down the stretch and into the postseason? If they lay an egg again in the first round this year, is he back as manager?
9: Well, John is the only manager that I can remember that's ever been fired after every loss. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing thing around here, you know. Uh, in fact, this Fenway book that I'm working on, somebody got me some some quotes uh, from Torrey Lavello from the Diamondbacks talking about the the constant pressure of being the Red uh, Red Sox manager. You know, uh, if John Farrell did what uh, Buck did in last year's playoffs, well, we'd have a different manager here right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact of the matter is he's won a World Series. He's, you know, he's still four and a half games in front. Um, You know, they haven't dealt with a super amount of of um, of adversity, but then again, you know, you, people forget Stephen Wright went down early, and he was an all star last year. Uh, Price has only pitched 11 times. Porcello's lost 15 games. Um, does he have a problem with with his bullpen, your handling of the bullpen? And uh, I still haven't met the manager who doesn't. You know, and I still haven't. I still haven't met the manager who. Doesn't make me shake my head on an almost nightly basis. Say, what's he doing that for? You know, uh, but that's why we're up in the press box and they're down in the field. I, I don't know. I don't know what his relationship is with Dombrowski. Uh, I would think that if it was poor, that he would have been gone uh, last year. But you uh, I mean if they go into Cleveland and lose three in a row again? Uh, who knows? Who knows? And, and again, you got to ask yourself, who's out there? You know, is it is it Jason Veritek? Are they gonna give are they gonna give the former captain the reins of, you know, having never managed anywhere and really never given a huge inkling that he wants to? Um, you know, I think that uh Jim Leland will be named in the in the fans eyes will be named Red Sox manager until Red Sox managers until he's in the ground. But uh that's <laughs> never gonna happen. Um uh, you think he smokes a lot, you know. Right. Naturally, you can imagine what it would be here. I don't know. I I, I gave up. I gave up trying to read that, and you know, it, it's to me, it's the situation. As far as I know, there hasn't been a manager fired this year. Is that right? That's yeah. I don't right? think there has been. Which any. is very unusual, uh, because I think there's there's so much mediocrity in the sport now that you're hovering around 500 or under and you're still alive for a playoff spot that you know i think i, I, I think calmer heads have, have have really persevered here and 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 made it a situation where you know a change isn't always good now had the red Sox come out and been you know 10 games under 500 i think a change would have been made during the season but you know i I don't know. I don't know who you go get to make it better. I don't think this team, uh, you know, this team is twenty games over five hundred. Uh, so you're not going to look at it and say, "Boy, they really they're dogging it." They they they're not great base runners. they I think they lead the league in getting thrown out on the bases. But you know, you've got some you've got some young players. The kid at third base who's been a terrific hitter is now in a two for twenty uh, slide, and he's made six errors in twenty six games at third base, which is more of the defensive black hole that they had the rest of the year. So, I mean, third base, I think, has half their errors, or close to it. So, I, you know, I don't know what John, I, I think there's a, a stability with John. And, you know, listening to Mitch Moreland last night when he came in to pitch, and he said, Skip, Skip came to me, you know, and said blah, blah, blah. Well, to me, if you really don't like your manager, You call him Skip. right? I guess you could be facetious and call him Skip, but it seemed like he was talking about the leader of his team. So uh, I don't don't think it's precarious, but then again, I wouldn't be shocked.
1: We're talking with Mike Shallon. He is the uh, columnist for the New Hampshire Union leader, formerly uh, at the Boston. Were you at the Herald or the Globe? I... I was at the Herald. You were at the Herald,
9: right. And the uh, New York Post before that. I remember that
1: well. <laughs> we're talking to Mike Shallon. He's also one of the official scorers out at uh, Fenway Park. Uh, the game is 4:05 today. Gosman versus Rodriguez is 4:05. Early enough, where we're going to have shadows playing uh, into effect uh, for the hitters.
9: They'll come. Uh, the shadows should arrive around five-ish. I think five ten, something like that. Uh, where it can be difficult. And you remember the last time Gosman pitched against the Red Sox, he got thrown out in the second inning for hitting Xander Bogarts with a breaking pitch. So, um, you know, I mean, another, another
2: great decision by an umpire.
9: Well, yeah, you know, I watched that Yankees Tigers thing the other day live, and, and I still can't believe how they A, created it, and B, did nothing to stop it. And, right. And, uh, you know, watching that smirk on Dana Demuth's face the whole time—like I don't care about this. What well, you know, I—I'm I, a hockey guy, you know, and I know yeah. what the linesmen would have done if if Cabrera and uh, and Romine had squared off. But where were the umpires, you know? And, right. and uh, I just thought that thing was as much of a disgrace to the umpires as it was to both teams, and and especially Gary Sanchez. And
1: what do you think about his punishment? Four games.
9: I thought it was lenient. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I thought, you know, I, I honestly believe Dillon Patances. Uh, I know why he was thrown out, but that was DeMuth also overruling the home plate umpire who didn't have a clue about anything, right. uh, Torres. And, um, yeah, I thought Sanchez should have gotten as much as Cabrera.
2: Well, you know, Joe Girardi said it best after the game, after all of the hoopla and the hullabaloo that went on. You know, he just said afterwards, somebody's just got to pay attention And he's referring, obviously, to the umpires. Pay attention to what's going on on the field.
9: Yeah. I mean, Sanchez, Sanchez had hit, Joe was actually off on his math. Sanchez had hit four homers in three days. And boom, you know, and and then uh, Fulmer swore up and down that he didn't throw at him. Right. Um, You know, which is, you know, listen, if I'm going to believe Batances, maybe I'm going to believe Fulmer. But the fact is, the umpire steps out in front of home plate and says, that's a warning. Boom. Should do it right there. Right. Yeah.
2: And then the yeah. rest of it, the rest of it probably never happens.
9: Right. Right. And and uh, you know, the Tigers could fight all day. They got nothing to play for. You know, and the Yankees were in a situation where if they you know, if they accepted the punishment, both they would lose both of their catchers for two games.
2: Well, which, Ver, Verlander and Victor Martinez did mm-hmm. exactly
9: that. They had words in the Tiger dugout. Yeah, that might have been the best part of the whole thing. And yeah. I, you know, I understood <laughs> what what Victor Martinez was doing. If, if you watch the tape. You saw the Romine boys talking to each other and uh, and you saw Victor with his hand on Sanchez's shoulder, probably talking in Spanish, you know calming the kid down or whatever, you know saying this is you shouldn't have done that or whatever and and you know here's Rolander he didn't like that. It was okay for the Romine brothers to talk, which it should be right but i mean to 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 think that that calmer heads were trying to prevent. A worse situation, you know. Verlander is a bit of a diva anyway, and um, you know, it, it's the whole thing was silly. It was embarrassing for the sport. Um, it was enjoyable to watch, you know. And then, and then I agreed with jo- what Girardi said too about you know Brad Brad Ausmus yeah. cursing at his player. All you right. know, I mean, the umpire, um, umpires, managers are not supposed to get involved with yelling at players on the other team. And uh, you know, and that's what um, that's what Gardner was so upset about. Uh, that and the fact that he had to put his name on the back of his jersey the next day. <laughs> so he was, he was. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is that he had three hits that day. They lost the game. He had three hits. It was the first Yankee with three hits on his birthday since 2005. Uh, so uh, you know, it was just it was just an unfortunate thing to watch.
1: Mike, I'm lo- I'm listening a lot to XM radio yesterday, and they were beside themselves. Uh, both before the penalties were handed out on how much they thought certain people were going to get, and then Casey Stern and Brad Lidge went ballistic once these uh, penalties were read out loud. Uh, like the the point Casey Stern was making was two weeks ago, Joe West got three games for kidding with a player about something, and and then Dylan Betances hits a guy with a 98 mile an hour fastball in the helmet.
9: And he doesn't get a game. Well, first of all, Joe wasn't kidding with a player. Joe was was ripping on a player. Okay. I believe it was Beltre, If i remember. It was that.
1: Adrian Beltre, Yeah.
9: Right after he got thrown out for that stupid uh, on deck circle thing. Right. Uh, you're showing again that umpires have a great sense of humor. But um, <laughs> I was going to you know,
2: say I was going to say from a sense of humor standpoint, forget the three thousand hits that gets Beltray
9: in the Hall of Fame for me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Considering that that. There is no on-deck circle in baseball anymore. I know, it doesn't true. Exist. It's just a place to put the bats down on a, on a rubber mat. They don't even have it at Fenway. Uh, Jason Veritek got hurt on one of them a few years back, and they, they haven't had one since. But um, what were we talking about? Oh, Casey about I heard yeah. that. You know, he wanted 10, 15, 20 games for Sanchez or whatever. And uh, then he, he asked Brad Lidge, one of his... You know, forty-eight second Casey Stern questions, and and I you know I kind of drifted off, and <laughs> almost drove off the road. I love Casey, but he he has great hang time on his questions. But um, uh, you know, and, and of course you're going to hear the, the the squawking now that Joe Torre's a Yankee and he went easy on the Yankees. Well, I think what Joe Torre did here, and I think one thing, listen, I've been overturned by Joe Torre too because he he uh, he his final judgment on our scoring. But I think what he did here is he looked at the situation of the two teams and he said, well, the Tigers started this right. with with, with And they've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing to lose. And I think he took into account the fact that the Yankees, you know, it could have been the Red Sox, that the Yankees are in a, are, are in a pennant race. And I, think, I really think that that had a lot to do with this. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he loves Dylan Batantis. I don't know. I've watched Dylan Batantas all year yeah. and he has been very wild. Yeah. Look at his walks to uh to nine innings pitched.
1: And apparently and, I think Morosi did a a thing where he went back and that's the second right handed hitter he's ever hit.
9: McKay yeah, he's usually wild the way. Yeah. I will give it that. Yeah. But, you know, as he said, now unless unless he's good at, you know, espionage and subterfuge, you could see him pointing. He said, look, it's 6-6. Six, six. I'm not going to throw it at a guy, you know, 6-6, six, six, you know, with the score 6-6. Six, six. So, you know, well, you, you never know. You know, I, I can't remember the last time I heard a pitcher say, yeah, I threw at him. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to watch it and and see what happens. But, um you know, it was it was um, it was a pretty ugly incident. You know, and, and I think everybody's very lucky that nobody got hurt in that pile.
1: Speaking of getting hurt, I've got one last question for you. I usually uh, my ears kind of turn off or catch on fire whenever I'm listening to Scott Boris talk, but his comments about the bases, the actual bases, mm-hmm. and what baseball could do uh, with the vis-a-vis the Bryce Harper injury. Uh, I've never seen that kind of injury before, you know, that kind of situation. I know I've been at games where bases have been wet, but is there something baseball should do, whether it's between innings, always dry them off, pour rosin on them, or something, so that they're not sort of like slippery bottoms of a bathtub?
9: Well, they could. could. Well, do you really need the bases, Mike? Well, they could also go to the back to the softer bags yep. they used to have. There's a reason why they call them bags. Yep, because they used to be bags. Bags, so right. That's back when you and I used to cover the game back in the '20s. But uh, <laughs> um, that's one thing uh, they could adopt the softball runner's base at first base and, and not make it a base at all. Yep, just make it a flat. Just make it flat ground. Um, but they will do something, I yeah. guarantee you, because they almost lost one the, of their, you know, one of their that, marquee players.
1: That was a shockingly scary Oof. picture yeah, Even watch. when I
9: watch it and know he wasn't seriously hurt, right. which we don't know he's not seriously hurt. That's right. the thing. He doesn't have structural damage, but he, you know, it's pretty, it's bad enough. Um, it, it, it's still, it's still, you know, it gives me the Joe Theismann kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, no, that was a scary that was a scary thing to watch. What, yeah, I, to what watch. I
2: hated most about Theisman's thing was they kept showing it over yeah. and
9: over again. I think Theisman hates that too.
1: <laughs> I'll never forget where I was on that night. I was in my kitchen on Roland Avenue with my friend Mary Ellen and she was helping me. We were wallpapering my kitchen. Yeah. And I'm up I'm up on the top and my friend Jack Hyerman is in the living room. He goes, Oh my God, you gotta see this and I go what could it possibly be? I'm up here with the wallpaper. Yeah. He says, "You got to see this," and I remember that.
9: You Remember that's how uh, Jesse James got killed. You know, uh, he was standing on standing up, uh, hanging up a picture, and he got shot in the back. So be careful with that.
1: I yeah, will be. Oh, yeah. I will be. Who's but gonna win the fight tonight? I don't care. Okay. Well, he's, how about did he's you
2: hear got what the same? He's got the same attitude about that that I do. Did you hear I what? Think, it,
9: I think, in, in true Mayweather fashion, and I'm not gonna say anything yeah. about his penchant for beating up women, but in, in true Mayweather fashion, he'll probably carry him, right. When in fact he should come out and knock him out in 20 seconds but right. uh, that's, that's my take on that and, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Have you heard about the preliminary fight? The Baltimore kid who's a title holder, Gervonta Davis, we've done some stuff with him. We were about a year and a half in front of everybody else in town on this. He's the lightweight champion uh, at the 130 range. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't make weight yesterday. So the, oh. the fight is going to go on, but he's been stripped of the belt, and even if he wins, he will not retain the belt. Oh, wow. He so was timed out at Sabatini's? I don't know what it was. He's battling Sabatini's the, or Sabatino's?
9: Sabatino's. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's right. that great uh, bookbinder salad, I think it's yeah, called, right? Yeah.
1: Or, uh, uh, yeah, it's called the – no, it's not called the book, bookmaker salad. Bookmaker, bookmaker salad. Bookmaker salad. No, not
9: bookmaker. Yeah, it is. It's
1: bookmaker it's salad.
9: named after bookies? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's the best salad in the world. And I remember ordering the dressing through the mail, as a matter
2: of fact. (laughs) Mike, real quick, with all your time in the New England area, are you familiar with Dave Jagler? Sure. Okay. We're about ready to have him on to talk a little Nationals, and I've known Dave since he became the broadcast partner with Charlie Slows back in 2006, the first or the second year the Nats were in so town. what are you asking, Shallon, to give you a good question? No, no, no. I, I wanted to find out about, uh, you know, Dave, of course, was a Pawtuck. Oh, he uh, was Paw-tuck. a Pawtuck guy. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Pawtucket yeah. guy. And uh just wanted to know if you knew about him and uh,
9: before sure. he got the major league job. That's sure. all right. I remember him up here, and I think we probably crossed paths a couple of times, and... and uh, um, you know, solid, uh, solid baseball guy, and um, you know, because the other, the other guy from uh, the MLB Network used to be here, Joyce. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he might have been Pawtucket, too. Way back when.
1: Right. Anyway, we've got to make our connections right now with Dave Jagler. We always appreciate it, Mike. We'll try and catch up with you right around playoff time. All right. Anytime, guys. We'll see you. Thank you, Mike. Always one of the best in the business. Are we taking a break right now? Let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, one of the play-by-play voices on the radio for the Washington Nationals, Dave Jagler. He's up next on the battle round. The B
4: 17 airplane was a legend of World War II, and a B 17 is coming to Martin State Airport on Saturday, September 2nd, and Sunday, September 3rd, for you to see up close and for a tax deductible donation to the Liberty Foundation, you can even take a 30 minute ride on. Experience the sights and sounds that our Second World War heroes experienced aboard the Flying Fortress on the weekend of September 2nd and 3rd at Martin State Airport 701 Wilson Point Road in Middle River. Ground tours are available. Or visit libertyfoundation.org and find out how you can take a ride on the mythical B-17. The ParXcel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and
7: females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion.
2: For more information, please visit our website or call 1 877 617 8839. Call now.
4: members of the GCR community, they're telling me about their experiences at Full Circle Tire and Auto. Steve Berry, why did you take your vehicle to Full Circle?
7: I saw a uh, service light on the dashboard, and I called the dealership, and they told me it was going to be about $200 to do it. And I heard the commercial for Full Circle Tire and Auto. And I called them, and they told me that they could save me even more money than I thought. They were about $100 less, and it turns out that they didn't have the correct Fluid for the car, so they actually went to the dealership and got it, and didn't charge me an extra for it. And that's not all they
4: did for you, was it?
7: About a week and a half later, they sent a personalized thank you card from Amy and the team. They signed it, and it's actually really nice, something I've never experienced
4: before. That's the difference at Full Circle Tyron Auto, 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS, 1304 Governor's Court, Unit 110 in Abingdon, and FullCircleTyronAuto.com.
7: KZ here, PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita the NFL chick how are you
4: I'm great how
7: are you I- I'm great every Sunday 10 to noon we talk about mostly football yes. we-, we talk about the college game we talk about the NFL game we will throw in sports local sports some Orioles some Terps if there's an important story around the country we'll throw that in but our heart our soul of course is football
10: Baltimore sports
7: Baltimore sports in general do a little bit DC we got to give them some love sometimes uh, I guess sundays 10 to
4: noon press box fantasy reality football show Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770.
2: And welcome back to the bat Around round for this Saturday morning. Craig Heist along with Stan the Fan-Charles. And our next guest is one of the two play-by-play radio voices for the Washington Nationals. Dave Jagler joins us on the phone right now. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Craig. How are you? Good. Well, you know, we got uh, you know the game in last night, obviously, and really with the lineup that Dusty Baker put out there in a 4-2 to loss, uh, to be able to sit there and maybe be able to win that game in the ninth inning just goes to show you a little bit about this team and what they've been able to do all year with all the injuries and the players that
11: have filled in. Yeah. I mean, they had to tie in winning runs on base in a, in a game where they sat four of their starting players and they were facing the Mets ace with a pitcher up from triple a Syracuse. So it was a pretty good effort considering the circumstances. The fact that they had arrived at the ballpark just short of six in the morning coming off the road trip in Houston. So, um, Far be it uh, for me to try to figure out why the Astros and Nationals didn't play a day game the day before, but yeah. that certainly put the Nationals behind the eight ball, and uh, and that was, a game going into it, you didn't figure you had a great chance to win, but, you know, uh, the guys who played, they, they've shown that they can do the job in and, and short spurts, and, and those players are a big reason why the Nationals are significantly in first place, with, with so many entries. As you had said before the season that you're going to miss the entire starting outfield for a stretch and the starting shortstop and a... Couple of pitchers and bullpen guys. It would have been hard to, to fathom that you'd be 12 and a half games up, but that's the credit to the guys who filled in.
2: Really is, and uh, you know, you, when when you you just can't talk about the position players. You got to talk about some of this pitching staff too. Uh, Stras goes down for a while now. Scherzer's dealing with a neck neck issue, uh, but he threw a pen yesterday, and he'll be back uh, on Sunday to pitch one of those two games. So it looks as though uh, when you throw Rorick and Geo into that mix, at least the pitching staff seems to be getting itself together probably at the right time as you head into the last month of the year.
11: Well, that and the bullpen with the additions at the trade deadline, I mean, uh, really the offense carried the team in the first half, but they've gone 10 consecutive games without double figures and hits, and for a while they've been scoring about 3-4 to four runs a game, yet they have a winning record in these games because now it's the pitching staff carrying them. I think going into the season, you would have figured the pitching staff would be the one to do more of the heavy lifting, but the offense got off to such a great start that that was able to overcome some of the issues they had at least late in games and and the key is are those guys healthy going into October and and maybe in hindsight when we look back on it the fact that uh, Strasburg and Scherzer uh, didn't get way over the 200-inning mark. We'll have them fresh to hopefully pitch deep into October.
1: We're talking with Dave Jagler, the play-by-play voice of the Washington Nationals. I'm Stan the Fan. And, Dave, uh, I know a little bit about your history. You're one of the uh, the guys that I know of that broadcast games for the Pawtucket Red Sox. I know Dave Fleming did. He's with the Giants and Andy Freed, Tampa. Anybody else in the big leagues from, from Pawtucket?
11: Oh, yeah, I, I believe it's seven out of 30 teams. Wow. Or maybe it's eight now. Uh, Don Orsillo, who used to do the Red Sox, he's now with the Padres. Uh, Gary Cohen with the Mets was the original one. And a couple of younger guys, uh, Aaron Goldsmith is out in Seattle, and a youngster named Jeff Levering is out in Milwaukee working with Bob Uecker. So, I mean, uh, we it's, we kind of call it jokingly the uh, Pawtucket Mafia. I mean, <laughs> they've had a real nice record of putting not only players in the big leagues, but... Broadcaster, and so it's now remarkable it's that about yeah. one third of the league has an ex Pawtucket broadcaster in the booth.
1: And it's now controlled by Lucino and Steinberg. Uh, Only <laughs> uh, run
11: the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox, Craig. Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, well, maybe maybe whoever that is there now is the next great one.
2: Yeah, it could be. But it's all it all boils down to a Syracuse education, doesn't it?
11: <laughs> well, there's another. You know, I'm, I'm part of two mafias. I'm part of two families. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, Syracuse has turned out just a few who have gone on to pretty good things in this business.
1: Hey, I've got to ask you a question. What years were you at Pawtucket, Dave? I,
11: I was. I, I kind of had the player route. I was there one year. I was there in 2005. Uh, I replaced Andy Freed, who you mentioned. Yep. Went to Tampa Bay, and I joined the Nationals in 06. So this is 12 years with the Nationals. So I kind of did like a player. One year in AAA and, and got the call. Uh, 2005, Pawtucket, uh, Red Sox had a couple of notable guys who went on to... Uh, to have some time in the big leagues. Dustin Pedroia was on that team. Right. Uh, Our friend Mr. Papelbon was on that team, and and Kevin Euclid, were probably the three prime prospects who were in Pawtucket in 05.
1: So I want to ask you, I lost a great friend of mine who was a good friend of Pawtucket's. He lived in Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, Sam Milley passed away uh, this baseball season in May, I think it was. Did you know Sam at all? He was a Uh, longtime Red Sox scout. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. Okay.
2: Dave, we got uh, the second, actually the third doubleheader on a Sunday in three straight wow. Sunday home stands coming up. How tough has this been on, well, I mean, it's always tough on all of us, but the players in particular, especially with the way the road trips are scheduled and things of that nature, but when, you, when you're when you forced to play day-night doubleheaders on a Sunday, that kind of thing?
11: You know, it, it's hard, Craig. I mean, fans don't like to hear all that. I mean, you know, these guys are making a lot of money, and the, and the travel's nice and all that, but, you know, it is a long grind over six months, and I, I think you've seen some guys slow down a bit in August. Uh, you know, Rendon has not had as, as good in August as he's had previous months. Zimmerman has slowed down a bit. I think Murphy's slowed down a bit, and those are the guys who, who have not missed any time due to injury. So, I mean, they've been out there pretty much every day, so I think it's a cumulative effect of all that, but uh, Dusty has been pretty good, uh, early in the season about giving guys off days. I mean, he gives he gives them at least one, if not two days a week off early in the season before all the injuries hit. Now he's had to ride Zim pretty hard. You know, now that Lind, his primary backup, has been, been playing mostly in the outfield. So, uh, you know, at least uh, I think, you know, now that you're going to get some guys back in September, uh, some energy with Turner coming back and fresh legs and, and worth, hopefully that'll uh, they'll kick it into the year for the stretch run. These are kind of the dog days, and when you're not really in a pennant race, Sometimes the finish line looks a little bit far away, so I think hopefully once the, the, the core gets together in September, uh, they'll see the finish line and they'll all kind of pull back together and, and have a surge to the finish.
2: Well, we just saw Sean Kelly come back from the bullpen off the DL. Uh, in terms of Ryan Matson, right now, at first it was supposed to have been a blister on the finger, but it turned out to be a little bit more on that. What are we hearing about Matson and his return?
11: well i mean i, I that was concerning to me because it, it really came out of nowhere and and they're not really sure the the cause of it, whether it was maybe you know snapping off a curveball that that uh, inflamed that that area of his finger i mean i I, you know, I saw the article today that they're hoping he's going to be back uh, in, in time for the postseason. i mean uh it, it was it was alarming to me when they they basically shut him down for three or four days and then he tried to throw again, and it didn't get better so Uh, they're obviously going to try a longer period of rest, and they have the luxury of this lead that they don't have to rush him back. So, you know, if if they have to sit him down for two weeks and then let him build back up, that's fine as long as he's there going into October because of the three pitchers they acquired, I mean, Madsen has been the one who's been totally unscathed. I mean, he's been virtually unhittable. So, you know, Dusty Baker experimented with Kinsler in the ninth and Doolittle in the eighth playing matchups. I mean, Madsen's a guy who if, you, if you're if you in a postseason game and you need a big out in the sixth inning, you could go to him. Or if you need Doolittle in the eighth inning to get a lefty, have Matson pitch the ninth inning. I mean, to me, he is a, a huge factor uh, going forward to give Dusty that versatility to be able to play matchups if he wants to in October.
2: You mentioned a couple of guys that maybe have been slowing down a little bit. You, you said Rendon and maybe Murph a little bit along with Zim. But last night, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I can't remember – Daniel Murphy playing against him against the Mets where he did not get a hit. Is that the first one? No, no. He,
11: he had one other – he had one game where he appeared as a pinch hitter and went 0 for oh, 1. He okay. had another game where he went uh, – it was either 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. So it wasn't the first one. But he, he, every game last year he had a hit against him. It was 19 for 19. He had one game that he started earlier this year where he didn't have a hit and then one game where he didn't start and he had a pinch hitting at bat. But he came into last night hitting over 400 in his career against the Mets. So uh, it would not surprise me if he has the day off today because most of the regulars got the day off yesterday, but they only had four bench players, so somebody had to play, and Murphy ended up in the lineup. I bet she probably gets the day off today, and uh, and maybe see him late in the game, and, and right back in there tomorrow, potentially playing both games.
2: Well, I think Zim might get another day today as well because yeah, so, uh, like evidently, it. evidently there was something that occurred when he dove headfirst into the plate uh, in the extra inning game down in Houston.
11: It's not just I mean it's not just Zim, but. I mean, I cringe when guys slide or dive in head-first, in particular to home plate, but almost any basis, and it seems to be more the norm, more guys go head-first and feet-first. But, I mean, you can go just down the laundry list of big-time players this year who've hurt themselves sliding head-first with fingers and thumb ligaments and thumb fractures and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, Zim, a guy who's had chronic shoulder issues, he's been hurt earlier in his career on head-first dives. So you know, to me, it's just such a violent act uh, you're better off uh, going in feet first. I know you know if you go in hands first, you have a little bit better chance of uh, you know grabbing out of the bag or, or touching home plate and getting your hand out of there more so than with your foot. But to me it just doesn't seem worth it but the potential of a long-term injury, and and those injuries tend to be longer-term when you see involved with the head first
1: slide. Yeah, head first or thumb ligaments being stretched and things like that. We're talking to Dave Jagler, uh, play-by-play voice of the Washington Nationals. I want to ask you and Craig a quick question. You you watched Jordan Zimmerman for a number of years pitch for the Washington Nationals. We're not going to ask you whether you think he was worth the money, but are you both shocked at the disappointment of his time in Detroit?
11: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's only in year two of, of that contract, and, and right now he's pitching to a to a mid to high five ERA. And uh, you know, the Nationals they they made him a, a competitive offer. I believe the the offer he signed with with Detroit was only what five million dollars difference over a five year deal. Right. Right. Um, so I mean, in hindsight, you know, if this was the performance that he he's got now, the Nationals are fortunate that he ended up signing elsewhere. I I, I hope that Zimmerman. You know, was able to do something this off season and, and turn it around and, and get back to him. I I, I enjoyed his time in D.C. You know, to me he was a good guy to have around the clubhouse. A bulldog on the mound. Um, you know, apparently I, I don't see the Tigers. I've you know seen him pitch regularly, but uh, he was starting to lose a tick off his fastball. You know, but the last year he was in D.C. He kind of he struggled to the finish line in that 15 season, and he never really developed a changeup. So he was always reliant on fastball slider curve, so if the fastball velocity comes down a little bit, you basically become a two-speed pitcher, and that that makes it a little easier for the hitter to adjust if you're not worried about that that third variation of speed. So uh, maybe he tries to develop a a change-up a little more to be more of a finesse pitcher. I mean, he was never a big strikeout pitcher, but you'd probably classify him more of a power pitcher than a finesse guy. Uh, Sometimes pitchers, when they get to this stage in their career and they lose a little velocity, they have to adapt. Uh, The guy I can point to that is a former national we saw this year was Drew Starin. Drew was talking about, hey, I've lost like two to three miles per hour on my fastball. I had to adapt and change. He's changed his arm angle. He throws from the side. He tries to to deceive hitters a little more rather than overpower them. Maybe that's something that that Zimmerman has to entertain as far as as changing the way he pitches now that his repertoire is a little bit different.
2: How much of a factor do you think the injury was uh, for him in Detroit? As to the way he's pitching now, or trying to make adjustments since the injury when he went on the DL, because he started five and zero or six and one, whatever it was, and I mean he was yeah, dominating.
11: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know he he was kind of held together by duct tape in the end of the fifteen season. I don't know if you remember that Craig, but he, yeah. You know he he uh, there was a time he came out of the start early and may have missed the start. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but there were a couple times where he was a little touch and go, just to be able to pitch, and the Nationals were in a pennant race down the stretch in the 15th season before they, they fell off the pace. So, um, you know, obviously he had the whole off season to rest, and then he came out gangbusters with Detroit last year. But, you know, he had those neck-shoulder kind of issues at the end of his time here. So I don't know if that was a red flag or what as to why his velocity was down, but obviously I'm sure they gave him a, a physical before signing that five-year deal with Detroit and gave him a clean bill of health. But yep. it is unfortunate whatever has caused his Decline in performance.
1: I mean, it's amazing. I'll I'll look up and see that he's pitching, and then I'll look in the third inning, and it's six nothing. uh, And I go, "Jesus, whiz! When's he going to pitch a good game?" We're talking with Dave Jagler. He's play-by-play voice of the Washington Nationals. Dave, before we let you go, we're pinch over a month away from the, um, the start of the postseason. How do you think the Nationals? look to be, you know, in terms of their position vis-a-vis the Dodgers, who have sort of blown everybody away the last three months?
11: Well, you know, when I saw them head-to-head in in the three-game series in June, I I thought they matched up Mm -hmm. really well. Now, the Dodgers at that point were missing Justin Turner. I thought the couple of weaknesses the Dodgers had, they shored up at the trade deadline. I thought they were a little short on left-handed relievers in the bullpen, and they picked up two. And I, I didn't think they had a quality you know, real uh, number two starter to match up with Strasburg. I mean, for Scherzer, they had Kershaw, but to me, they had a whole lot of five-inning pitchers who were masquerading as number you know twos and threes, and I'm not buying Alex Woods 14-1. and one. I mean, the guy pitches five innings to start, but uh, they, they went on and got you Darvish, to me, to match up with Strasburg in a game two in a best-of-seven series. So, you know, I, I think obviously the Dodgers have improved, but uh, it, to me, it doesn't matter if they win 100 or 115 or 125 games. It's how are you playing then. And I, I think the Nationals do have the pitching to, to hold that lineup in check. And the other difference is the Nationals have upgraded their bullpen since the last time they saw the Dodgers. I mean, they didn't have an answer for Kenley Jansen, so they've tried to not necessarily get one guy, but three guys to try to answer what the Dodgers have to close out games. So, uh, you know, to me, I, I hope that matchup happens. And, you know, it could be. Uh, which team has to go five games in the first round? I mean, it might not necessarily be a Kershaw-Scherzer matchup. If one team sweeps and one team goes five, and they have to use their, their ace to pitch game five just to get out of the first round, that could ultimately determine how things match up in, in the best of seven. So uh, I, I hope it happens and we we'll look forward to it.
2: Dave, Stan and Bonser are going to sing the national anthem right now, and I'm going to yell, oh, at the end right before you get off the air. Is that Okay.
11: You really had to go there. You really had to go there. <laughs> can I just not answer that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I gotta go. I gotta
11: get the ballpark.
2: I gotta get the ballpark.
1: Dave uh, Jagler, thanks so much for Dave. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate for it. For being it. with I us. Pleasure. We'll see you. Bye. Uh, see you. I take it he's not a big fan. Not a big fan. Not a big H- fan. Hates of the, it. Uh,
2: and whenever the Orioles are at Nats Park or wherever the uh, the uh, the Nats come up here to Camden Yards during the anthem, I always go out and stand next to him. <laughs>
1: You know, I'm really... And he'll he'll usually tell me I'm number one or something like that. You know, I'm really regretting now. I never tried to be play-by-play voice of the Pawtucket Red Sox. Yeah, it seems it. like it's almost a lot that you yeah. get a major That or job. going to Syracuse, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and Bonzo's... Well, he went to Towson, and... Uh, it's uh, just as good
0: as Pawtucket. All right, <laughs> all right. <laughs>
1: We're going to take our final time out of the morning and then we'll come back and close things out on the bat around hanging there. <laughs>
4: Members of the GCR community, they're telling me about their experiences at Full Circle Tire and Auto. Steve Barry, why did you take your vehicle to Full Circle? I
7: saw a uh, service light on the dashboard, and I called the dealership, and they told me it was going to be about $200 to do it. And I heard the commercial for Full Circle Tire and Auto. And I called them, and they told me that they could save me even more money than I thought. They were about $100 less, and it turns out that they didn't have the correct fluid for the car so they actually went to the dealership and got it and didn't charge me the extra for
4: it and that's not all they did for you was it about a
7: week and a half later they sent a personalized thank you card from amy and the team they signed it
4: and it's actually really nice something i've never experienced before that's the difference at full circle tyrant auto 410-676-2277 that's 410-676 cars 1304 governor's court unit 110 in abingdon and fullcircletyrantauto.com
11: Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section three thirty six for twenty five years?
4: Well, yeah,
0: twenty fifth anniversary of Cannon
4: Yard.
11: Yeah, and we've, we've been in Section three thirty six.
0: Well, I mean, technically, are we? Well, technically, we're in three three four.
11: No, no, no. Section three thirty six. We're in Section three thirty six.
0: Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're Section 336.
11: Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night,
0: yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334.
11: Let the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch Section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in Section 336.
0: Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles, because we always do here on the show, Section 336.
5: Yes, yeah, so Section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. Press that. Box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at pressboxonline.com or by going to iTunes or section336.com. <laughs> Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, no, podcast. No, 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 no,
9: don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That mm. means it is the best wrestling well, yeah, podcast. That's, that's Look, just,
2: just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to jobbing out. Are you kidding
4: me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out, Glenn Clark, Aaron- and hoster and A.J. Francis of the Washington Redskins. He Terp, Every week, we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com.
5: Let the Aberdeen Ironbirds take all the stress out of planning your family's next night out. Introducing the Green Turtle Friends and Family Package. Get four Ironbirds tickets, four Green Turtle dinners, and four Ironbirds caps for just $49.96. That's a $208 value for $49.96. Purchase your Green Turtle friends and family package online today by visiting ironbirdsbaseball.com. Your summer starts now.
6: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we take a significant look into the Ravens' upcoming first-ever trip to London. What does it take for an NFL team to make such a trip? How are Ravens fans getting themselves across the pond for the game? What are fans doing in Baltimore if they can't make the trip? And which Ravens player will the trip mean the most to? PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles' ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com
1: we are back on the battle round stan the fan and craig heist and uh i feel like i'm coming down with either allergies or the late summer cold i got like sinus stuff happening yeah
0: it's yeah. been what i've it's been what i've been dealing with for the past week
1: nobody asked you
0: I'm just saying sorry in advance if it was me.
1: Well, I'm getting the hell out of the studio because I don't want to catch it. An allergy you can't catch. I think it's allergies, I'm pretty sure. The only thing is I'm supposed to go in, my cousin is an allergist. I'm supposed to go in this weekend for this week, Wednesday, for a test to determine once and for all whether I'm allergic to penicillin. I've been told I was allergic to penicillin since I was an infant. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother brought he's allergic to penicillin. And my brother was going in for a big surgery and ended up having a test before his surgery to find out whether he was or wasn't allergic to penicillin, which he wasn't. So I'm due to take the test this Wednesday. And on the paperwork, it said something about don't take any any antihistamine and like Claritin seven days in advance. And I read it like a week ago after it says that about the seven days it then says and don't take such and such for three days and i reverted them and i took a Claritin thursday night one Claritin late at night and i had to call my cousin yesterday and he said six days is fine it yeah. won't affect the test okay yeah you were you were concerned weren't you i was i yeah. don't want you to be allergic to anything you're allergic to me. <laughs> You're allergic to me, aren't you? Well, I knew that from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. You didn't need a test. You didn't Look, need to Orioles stuff. and Red Sox
2: this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and Kevin Gosman goes to the Hill, and Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox. Uh, the Nationals and the Mets play at 4.05 down at Nats Park.
1: Who's pitching in that game? Uh, Geiselman? Is? No, it should be Geo. I meant for the Mets. Is it Geiselman? Uh, might be. I don't okay. know. I have to. You look. don't care about the other team, do you? Not really. Not really. It's all about. Okay. It's all about the home team. Is uh, Terry Collins going to be the first manager to let go? I don't see. How, I season? don't see how
2: you can do that with the Mets. I mean, I get it. It's New York and everything else. But look, in the last two days, is the is the exact microcosm right. of that entire season. You lose uh, Cespedes last night, just running from second base to home plate and then Conforto the day before up in New York swings at a, at a pitch and winds up dislocating his shoulder. Mm. And now there's a capsule issue, torn tendon in the
1: capsule. Right, he's out for so the year. So he's out
2: for the year. Yeah, it just it's really a sad sad state of affairs for the Mets, not to mention what happened with Cindergard earlier and just a host of injuries. Right. I don't I think Terry probably survives. You do? Yeah.
1: I'm not feeling that. I know John Heyman for FanRag wrote that it looks – he wrote yesterday, I think it looks like either either way it, it might be the right time. You know, either the team – It could very well go. be.
2: I mean, just, you he's, know – He's close
1: to retirement anyway. I think he's 65 or 66 years old.
2: Yeah, but, you know – by Solid the same,
1: baseball guy, yeah. Terry Collins, no question yeah. about it. Um We've had a good show today. Let's recap. We had on um, Mel Antonin of Masson. Right. And we had Matt Slatis, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds and the Aberdeen Steam Crabs. Also had on uh, Mike Shallon from the New Hampshire Union Leader and an official scorer at Fenway Park. And uh, also just finished up with Dave Jagler, Jagler, the play-by-play voice of the Washington Nationals.
2: Yeah, and... uh I think Dave is one of the best in the business. I really do. I know I'm being biased when I say that, but no more biased than I would be having grown up in Baltimore and listening to the guys that I've grown up listening to. All right. And eventually, Dave Jagler will be getting a number one job somewhere in 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 Major League.
1: Baseball. You wouldn't mind it being in Baltimore. Would I you?
2: would love it to be in Baltimore. Yeah. Got to get him used to that O oh, in the National. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Anthem. laughs>
1: you think he would sign off on that? I don't know. I think to get the I number one job somewhere, he might. Um, Just a reminder that uh, we do this 10 to 12 at PressBoxOnline.com every day of the week. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer on Glenn Clark Radio Monday through Friday. Uh, Craig and I are Saturday's uh, companions for you from 10 to 12. And Sundays throughout the football season, well, throughout the year, is the Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard. Ken is in the midst of an unbelievable number of drafts that he's doing. Uh, oh, I see it all the time on Facebook. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like Wednesday, I said, can you do the TV show? He goes, and he's not being egotistical. He says, only if I'm up first. I have to be home by 845 for two drafts. Unbelievable. He must be in about 20, 20, 20 25. Leagues, league. yeah. Easy. Yeah, easy. I play in his two media leagues, and I'm always about the third or fourth best team. Do you have... Do you have the same kind of? But we luck? don't play for money. Do you have the same kind of luck there? No, as I you have do better. With the I have better. Lu- I have better luck. I just I'm not as knowledgeable about the product. I have better luck, but because we're playing for no money, what the hell well, doesn't matter. Well, some would say you're not very knowledgeable about the other product. If either. I show, if <laughs> I show you how many players I have on the disabled list right now, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Well, you're like Terry Collins. They're going to fire you after this year. Jacob Faria. Alex Cobb was on for three weeks. Andrew Miller twice. How about Jared Dyson, Michael Brantley, Matt Holliday, Miguel Sano, Salvador Perez, who just got off the DL. And uh, I've got somebody else that's uh, screwed up right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And we're hovering in fourth place. Hovering. Hovering. Trying to make it to the finish line so we don't lose Um, any money. I hear you. All right. Many thanks for you. Many thanks to Bonza Tufa, who's back in town. And with his Bryce Harper action figure. He's going to go home with that action figure, and he's going to put him on. You know, he's going to. Let's just hope he puts it on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, he's going to get on the floor. I can see him now. He's going to put him at the plate. here's the pitch. Because Bonza wants to be a play-by-play boy. There you go. Let me hear you do that. Here's the pitch to Harper. Let's not Let's not go there. You don't want to embarrass yourself. All right. Many thanks for joining in uh, tomorrow on Inside Press Box from 1030 to 11 on ABC2. We will have on with us Luke Jones from uh, WNST.net about some Raven talk. We will have Danny Wiseman, Hall of Fame bowler who's Mm -hmm. from Baltimore. And we'll also have a feature we did, a Boog Powell story we did, based on my column that I wrote. Uh, it's really a fabulous piece. It really is. We've been getting a lot of good play on the Boog Powell stuff lately. Good. All right.
2: Yep. Danny Wiseman used to uh, used to dabble uh, down around Crown Lanes and Hawthorne right. at one point in time. And I used to bowl with uh, Bruce Holland and a few others who went on to make it uh, very big in the bowling world.
1: Yep. Yep. Did you ever make it big in the bowling world? I was pretty decent. I were never, 10-pin never or duck-pin? 10-pin. What would you average? 170? Uh, no, I was in the 190s. You were in the 180, 190s? 180,
2: 190, yeah. Wow.
1: I bowled in like three leagues. I used to work down there, too, at one point. Is in there time. any chance you'd ever go back and try and become a professional? No, not at this time. No. no. Did you ever bowl a 300 game?
2: Mm, Close? I, I, I did not bowl a 300 game. I strung... Uh, thirteen strikes together. However, twelve in a row was in one
1: game. Wow! And what was the score in that game? Like two seventy-eight yeah. or something? I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. You ever make any money doing no. it? No. 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 Just for funsies. It
2: was. It was. It was uh, strictly league. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Anyway, that's it for us. Tomorrow, Ken Zalas, Sarita Hubbard, same time, same station. Thanks for tuning in.